0: Death Stranding 2? Spider Man swings onto Xbox? Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, is Mr. Saw Bridges bringing you a lucky episode (laughs) 262.
1: I didn't know if you're going to do it again. picked up
0: on it. No, I I'm did. proud of you.
1: So, uh, but Lucky262 alongside me is Mr.
2: Chris Fix. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's Chris Fix. I didn't know if I was allowed to
0: say my name this time. No. <laughs> no, you didn't know. We have to say it. You can't say your own name. That's illegal. You're one. banned. You're banned. Triangle Squared uh, Law has stated that you have just broke it, so you will be lynched by the audience. Audience, please, please describe the punishment that Chris will receive, Uh, and that will be in next week's episode.
2: If I was coming through Ellis Island, that would be true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's rough. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're by yourself, your solo, a little history for you on
0: solo, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, <laughs> if this is your first time catching the show, we are of course a gaming podcast uh that talk about the gaming industry through the lens of three PlayStation fans, we of course play other systems, computer, xbox occasionally switch um. So of I just course a we talked about a second ago everything he absolutely was Saul was was playing uh, the PT which we'll talk about here in a second actually um, but first of all welcome to the show we hope you stick around and uh, give the show a listen but the way we like to start this show off is always a time honored tradition and that is a quick catch up from for each other and for you guys on what we've been playing so Chris. I want to throw that towards you this week first. What have you been playing?
2: Oh, this week. Let's see, last week on the show, I talked about how Fallout New Vegas was breaking me, and I think I was done, never playing it again. And then I got the platinum the next day. So I know.
0: Uh... <laughs> Every time you tell me a game has broke you, I'm like, okay, t minus 24 hours for the platinum. <laughs> Once he has it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but That's yeah, I'm, typically I'm, what happens every time you've ever complained about a platinum. You've normally gotten it at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> New the Vegas following. was way later than that. I got that at four fifty-five. <laughs> oh my just, god!
2: Well, it, it got to the point where, like, in the morning, was, yeah, in the morning, it was pickpocketing, pickpocketing, and caravan was all I had to do. And I'm like, I should go to bed. And I'm playing caravan. I'm like, well, there's only ten more. Well, there's only five more. Well, now I'm done. I got the platinum. It's 4:55. I gotta go to bed. But
0: yeah. you know, it's funny that you say that because that's actually kind of been with what I've been playing, tribes of Midgard. That's been the the situation in that it'll be it'll be getting very close to when I normally go to bed, midnight, mm-hmm. and it'll be like 11:55, and I'm like, ah, you know, I should probably get off and go lay down and get ready for bed. But I'm like, I, I'm just this gate is almost uh level three, so that I can survive. This. So I'll do that. And then that'll happen. and Then something else will come down. I'm like, oh well, I'll finish that real quick. And then suddenly it's 12:30, and I'm like, I, I need to go to bed. And it's just—it's uh, gotten terrible. The last uh, last few weeks, I or the last few weeks, the last few nights of the week, I have gone to bed significantly later because of Tribes of Midgard. Yeah. But continue. Just uh, I, I've been dealing um, with that this
2: week. <laughs> <laughs> you know the feeling. So yeah, that's done. I'm very happy to have that out of the way. Platinum number 99. Almost there. Yeah. Almost at hundred, um. So Fallout Three now, right? Fallout Three should be the next one, yeah. But uh, you were one hundred percent right. Super burnt out, not not down, not down to play it at all. (laughs) Yep. It it was only because so I did. You know the Galaxy News Radio mission where you're fighting the Brotherhood of Steel. So I did all of that and got through it and like you know how it doesn't it doesn't save there's no like checkpoints in there so i finished that part of the mission but i clicked on the door too early and it registered me as a hostile so they all killed me and i had to go from i had to go do the entire train tunnel again to get out i was like no "No." took it out put it right back on the shelf and then that would lead me to what i'm now playing which is dragon age origins and dragon age origins is awesome in case you didn't What's
0: know. What's <laughs> the platinum like for Origins?
2: Uh it's gonna take a lot of planning if I don't want to do six
0: playthroughs of it, but I'll get it done. It's a lot of is it a lot of save points uh, planning where you yeah. go through a specific save points? Yep, pretty much. I have to do two because
2: as people probably know by now, I play all my games as females and half of the uh half of the romance options you have to do as male, and then you have to do male. all the romance options. So, but I really like that. I actually had started playing Dragon Age 2 and then it had that pop up, which was like, hey, your save transfer is over. Do you want to do that?
0: Well, I guess mm-hmm. I'll do Origins first. Which you know what's is- crazy about Dragon Age 2 is that you didn't even get to get into it, so, which means that you have zero clue how crazy different those two games play. No, I beat uh, Dragon Age 2 when I was a kid. Oh, okay. Yeah, I say, have played it. It is insanity. And a lot of people complained at Bioware whenever it came out because Dragon Age Two is is almost unidentifiable yeah. in comparison to Dragon Age Origins by most you know measures. Uh, I don't I don't think that means it's a bad game. I like the game. I, I just think that if you played Origins and you were expecting the sequel to Origins to be anything yeah. like Origins, that is not what you got. Not what you got. Yeah, it's but weird because I, Mass. I don't think Mass Effect went through that same weird pattern. Like Mass Effect One. And then Mass Effect Two. Like Mass Effect Two is just the promise of one and everything turned up and just being really good version of what one was trying to present. I think um, two is more of so more of a
2: shooter than one is, but it's definitely less sure. drastic in, than Dragon yeah, Age. Sure. Is. I like <clears throat> I like the way that Dragon Age two does it. Um Origins is really I, good. I like the story, but I would definitely prefer the I guess the mass effect of, of it, yeah yeah which but yeah that um so yeah i'm doing i'm gonna go through the whole series i had been telling you and saul before the show that i now am the proud owner of dragon age inquisition on the worst possible platform to play
0: it on so (laughs) so have you played inquisition at all yeah i beat it um ps4 okay because it's it's a it's just like for anyone out there who just didn't know it's if for some reason you played Origins and 2 turned you off, Inquisition is a return to Origins gameplay style. Yeah. With a little bit more, like, I actually thought the uh, Mass Effect thing where you can, like, pause the game and pull the camera up for the tactical view. That was actually kind of cool. I got really bored of that game quickly, but there were some cool parts of it.
2: hmm Did you leave the Hinterlands?
0: Uh, yeah, I played for about five hours. Yeah, I just remember that
2: being like a huge thing when that game came out because the Hinterlands is the tutorial area, but they'll keep generating quests. And and (laughs) there had to be articles out like, leave the Hinterlands. That's not the game.
0: (laughs) Well, you stumbled onto something that I was talking about, maybe even last week's episode, or at least I was talking about it with someone and my brain is failing me as to when. But Radiant Quest really plagued games for a while and this idea that games are supposed to Constantly have new stuff to do. I think it was the show because I was talking about how Infamous 2 kind of surprised me and that it reminded me that once you beat Infamous 2 and you 100% it, you are done. You can run around mm-hmm. the city and fly around, but there are no enemies. There's nothing to do because you have beat the game. And I, you get to a point where I, I don't really like this about modern games necessarily. It's not good or bad. It depends on the game. But it is interesting that sometimes it feels good to just be done with an area. Yeah. Instead of constantly being told like,
2: "There's Another a new quest," needs your help.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude just just let me be complete with this area and go to the next area. Because I find that myself as well as some other gamers do this thing where it's like, if you find yourself in an area, you try and do everything in that area mm-hmm. before you go to any to, before you go anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, I was a lot like that in um, my playthrough of. Um, why is my brain right? kingdoms of amalur ah yes good game i'd get into an area i'm like oh okay bunch of side quests i gotta do them all (laughs) yes (laughs)
2: sir i should go back to that game you should anyway yeah i should um but yeah that's all i've really been playing Uh, a little bit of mlb i played a game of apex mobile today but other than that not much
0: and you're going to be playing tribes of midgard tonight i'm going to be playing Yu-Gi-Oh
2: tonight whether I play Tribes of Midgar is another question. <laughs> I'll convince you yet. We'll see. I believe that. You're going to go to the Platinum with me, right? Oh, God. means I got to start playing Fallout 3. <laughs>
0: that, that's a good point. That's what you can do. You can get right up to where you have one trophy left.
2: <laughs> Don't put it past me. MLB is I'll, done. I, I just need to. I've
0: seen you do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen you do it. Yep. Trust me, I remember that Mass Effect 3 finally popped for you and then suddenly like four more Platinums in one day because <laughs> yeah. you were just like on the edge of that Platinum and you're like, okay, oh, yeah. that this this one's got to be this number and then the rest of them can be whatever. <laughs> that was one where I didn't even
2: care about the Platinums, but now like my Mosaic or whatever is one, two, and three back to back and I just like the way
0: oh, that looks. Oh, dude, it's important. Whenever I got the Crash Bandicoot one, two, and three plats, I was like, I will play nothing else in between this. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. To, it's got to be that. Uh, but all right, Saul, what have you been playing this week, man? Much of anything, or has it been another kind of slow week for you? It's been a very
1: slow week. I only played one game, and I think it was a result of last week, but I started it on Monday night. So just last night, actually. Uh, no, it was Sunday night. It was two nights ago. Um, I started back up Octopath Traveler. Oh, okay. So that's. Literally been the only game I did because it was like I don't know thirty percent off or something. It was forty five bucks. Uh, I did buy Strangers of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. I haven't played yeah. it yet though.
0: Thankfully, I didn't have to buy it because Chris already took that plunge. Um, yeah, for no reason. I never played it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't played it yet no either. Reason. But I, you
2: haven't
1: I, played I it on yet.
2: It. Valid. <laughs> I just hope um,
1: it doesn't have the effect on me that a lot of other Final Fantasy games do where I play it. and I'm like, hmm, I'd rather play a Final Fantasy game like Final Fantasy 12 or Final Fantasy 10. So hopefully it doesn't have that effect on me. Uh, but it's been it's, a very slow week for me.
0: It's so different, at least in the way that it looks. To be fair, I, I didn't play any of the demos or anything. But it's yeah, so I mean, different in the way I that it looks that I doubt it would have that Except unless your mind is just strictly looking and knowing that you're playing a Final Fantasy, so it's like I want you to play something else. That could be maybe
1: he did that with 15, and 15's fairly different. So
0: yeah, 15. I is think it has different. to do with like
1: the score and the just the general feel of it being a Final Fantasy game. Which kudos to them for nailing at the very least.
0: Hey, hey, Chris, uh, what yeah. caused your jaw to drop? Oh, sorry, I forgot I
2: was on camera. My bad. Uh, no, I was. We were talking about Chronicles of Riddick. And um, I just, for shits and giggles, looked up the trophy guide. It's got a 0.86% of people have the Platinum. And you have to win 1,000 multiplayer matches and kill
0: 10,000 enemies. And Assault on Dark Athena? Uh, Yeah. Or Escape from Butcher Bay? Because I don't think Escape from Butcher Bay has multiplayer. Assault on Dark Athena. Does Butcher Bay not have a platinum? I didn't even think about that. It was a really I remake. haven't gotten
2: to Butcher Bay yet. I'm gonna I was gonna look it up just out of curiosity, but I looked up Dark Athena. Only 379 people in the world have the platinum.
0: Oh. That's uh it's impressive. But also Does it make your
2: uh, your cockles itch, you want to go for it? <laughs> no, not even at all. It? You don't want to boost now, it, you boost it.
0: Those are the type of trophies <laughs> I would have the Far Cry 4 platinum.
2: If mm-hmm. it wasn't
0: for multiplayer, I just no, those I, are easy, just get them. It was yeah, like, oh, it's like I just one don't match. feel like having to boost. I, I got the Far Cry 5 one, that was better. Far Cry 3, I was so happy that the classic edition they came out with <clears throat> took out the, the to multiplayer. Yeah, because I just thought, I like, yay, I could platinum it now <laughs> without having <laughs> to worry about that. Oh, don't, don't cause Mickey Mouse to come back into the episodes. <laughs> oh. He's a cruel mouse. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, I've been playing. Of course, ex- pretty much exclusively, almost, Tribes, uh, Tribes of Midgard. Very fun game. It's PS Plus game this month. I would urge anyone who has even the lightest, slightest bit of uh, interest in the game to download it and give it a try. Uh, as I told Saul, a lot of people looked at it from the state of play and thought that it was kind of Diablo-esque-like. And it's more like a... It's, it. The worlds are randomly generated, so they're procedural. Um, you have a, tr- a, a, a village in the center that has a tree of life in it that can be attacked. And so essentially the village itself acts as a hub for you to upgrade everything that you have. There's uh, the normal Diablo style and plenty of other game style of uh, common, uncommon, rare, epic, and legendary weapons and gear that you have to upgrade vendors to be able to make using souls that you can lose if you die, but you do not go pick them back up like you do in souls games. They're just lost for good. But you gain souls from everything you do, killing people, harvesting things from the world. And you use those to build up resource generators like a quarry so that you can continue to get more stone and iron and things like that. You build up a lumber yard so that you can continue to get you know, sticks and and wood that you can use to make wooden boards so that you can funnel that into a basically tower defense setup. So where you can use souls and materials to upgrade your gates so that the invaders in the night have a harder time getting into your village. Uh, They can still break the gates eventually and get to go repair them. There are archer towers that are two on each gate that you can upgrade up to level three. Uh, That way, when you're out, surviving and, and, and searching. Sometimes you don't have to immediately come back home. But it's very fun. Uh, and I think that you should spend a little bit more time looking at someone play it because this is an g- example of the state of plays doing a poor job of really selling you on a title that I think I otherwise, if they would have shown it in the right way, I would have liked. But maybe it's also just that it's a hard game to show in the right way. And it's something you have to play just to see if you like. But shout out to my buddy Donovan for putting me out of the game. On a whim, he was just saying, hey, do you want to play it with me? And much like Chris has said, I thought that game didn't look very good. So nah, but it's free. So I guess I'll try it. And now I'm I'm an addict. So do with that information what you will. Uh, I did play some Runescape as per usual and some, uh, I guess some Yu-Gi-Oh if we want to count that Chris and I have been having some late night duels. have, yeah. Though tribes has been getting in the way of that. Chris hit me up last night. was like, you want to go a few rounds? And, <laughs> uh, I was, I didn't even catch it cause I was in tribes.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, you know, I got to give it all to one game. That's something I I've really, I have a hard time with that. Like if I get to where I like a game, that's all I'm going to play yeah. until I either am done with it and it platinumed it, or until I've burnt myself out and I just can't anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a real problem.
2: I, I get that way when I when I like get close to a platinum. That's when I get that way. <clears throat> but I, I can play like four games at once.
0: It's very rare that I do that. Typically, it's yeah. like I find one game that pulls all my attention, and that's all I really play. Like I may have I've played like maybe three hours of RuneScape the past week. Um, which is good and i'm finishing a quest edgar's ruse but um i've just been really into tribes and i haven't really played anything else so
2: i I I think in the end your way is a little bit better because i play more games than you but you finish more games than me so
0: i definitely i definitely think that that's a fair uh, because you you play a lot of games oh yeah How often you finish them them seems very, very low. (laughs) Hey, listen, I'm one for six. Which is funny. It's funny for someone who is so anal about trophies that you have all these games that you have like 2% trophies in, 4% trophies in. And then yet you have other ones where it's like, I'm at 70% of trophies, dude. I can't just leave it there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think I told you, but I have a
2: spreadsheet of all of the games I've played with percentages, with links to the trophy guide, and with how much time it would take, so I can clear out my backlog. Dude, that is insane. And straight up, half the reason I don't want to play uh,
0: Trials, because I don't want it on my list if I don't like it. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) That's fair, and it's one of those games that you get a pretty easy first trophy. Yeah. Like it's not like immediately, but it's one of those things where, because if I'm not mistaken, PlayStation made it to where if you don't earn a, earn a trophy in a game, you can delete it from your yep. trophy list, right? Yeah, you can. Yeah, that's
2: that happened to me with uh, the Medieval remake. Is I started it and I did the tutorial, and I was like, "Oh, this sucks," and I deleted it so it <laughs> wouldn't be on my list.
0: <laughs> You're lucky like that there was g- no tutorial trophy.
2: I didn't a lot the of games the that. I just, story. I just like felt how walking around felt and combat felt, and I was
0: like, I don't want to do this ever again. You know the weirdest thing? I played about probably a half of that game because I loved mm-hmm. it as a kid. But there's something about that game where I don't think that the remake should have been just made exactly. I think we talked about this recently, but it they should have tweaked it some. Like the uh, game probably. looked fantastic. I couldn't believe how good it looked, but it played exactly like a PS1 game. And some PS1 games have held up a lot better than others in that regard. I feel like PS2 yeah. is where you start getting to a really easy 3D game, at least, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this this still feels good. Um, but there's a lot of th- early 3D PS1 games that are that are. I don't know if I agree with also, that. There's
2: good examples. I've been playing, uh, I didn't mention it, but I played some Silent Hill 2. That game does not control well. So
0: No, that game does not control
2: well. It's for real rough. That
0: game is amazing. Incredible game. I love how you said the other day like this is probably one of the only times I've been scared in a game. The game is it's Dude, weird and it's creepy and it's just unsettling. Yeah, there's that one portion
2: where you're in the apartments. I don't know if I don't think I'm spoiling anything. Pyramid Head exists uh, yeah. is pop culture. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and you get to that like you go through the whole thing and you're like halfway through the puzzles and he's just standing behind the bars. I was like, "Oh, I'm not moving." Like no no yep. no freaking way am I moving? And then you move through, yep. and like
0: you hear the banging or whatever. And i <clears throat> God damn, this game is creepy as shit. You know, I didn't play it, but that whenever Saul used to explain to me what Alien: Isolation was like, whenever he was playing it, that thing that was you, yeah. right, Saul? Yeah. Um, I remember thinking that feels like the parts of like when you're like walking around and Pyramid Head's just there, and you're like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's other parts. It, it made me think of that and it also made me think of um Oh, how am I forgetting the name of the game? The one that's made by Red Barrels and you have a, you play with a, a camera and you get to get batteries Outlast. for it and put it in. Outlast. Outlast. Yeah. Out yeah, Outlast the sections where you're hiding from people in that game are also like tense. Yeah. To oh, the, the, the point where you're just like, please don't find me, please don't find me. Like <laughs> that dude, that game with a headset and all the lights off in the middle of the night is a a trip yeah there is is some pretty
2: dumb stuff that happens in Silent Hill too. because there's that same part I was talking about and you hide in a closet when you first meet Pyramid Head and then he's like getting ready to leave and the character is just like and now I'm blasting and just shoots like 50 shots into the guy from his hiding place (laughs) what's going on here man
0: yeah no for sure i love that game though it's it's i'm really curious to see if it it really is a remake of that game coming first of all that's the one that needs a remake because technically Mm. the first game got a remake for the wii Yeah, shattered dimensions or whatever uh yeah shattered something it shattered uh no shattered dimensions why did you do that shattered memories yeah shattered memories um (laughs) either way yeah good times um so, Saul was just playing PT, and just because I don't know where else to put it in the show, we're going to go ahead and have a little PT discussion. Oh, yeah. Because PT. a couple of things have been happening. So, Patoo-y. where this really starts is that uh, our buddy Josh Shoup had uh, reached out to me, and uh, Chris, Josh is the one who does the conspiracy therapy podcast that you had <laughs> asked about the other day. I've been listening to that podcast. It's pretty good. There you go. You got an endorsement from Chris. They are. Um, but he was talking to me and he sent me a link of uh, uh our a list you know of the games that are on the new PS Plus service and he was talking about how he was upset that or he was surprised or whatever you want to say that a lot of the metro solid games weren't on there despite the fact that a lot of people consider them synonymous with PlayStation and um it kind of got to this point where we were talking about i told him that my honest thoughts on this the more and more i look at it because metro solid 1 PlayStation Or Xbox, I mean, PlayStation, Sony, whoever you want to say, know that it's a classic PlayStation 1 title that people love. They put it on the PlayStation Classic, the little miniature PlayStation 1. Uh, So for them to have put it on there but not have it here, to me, tells me that Konami has something going on with it. And I have a couple of thoughts. First of all, we've been hearing word about a remake, though a lot of the times, if I'm not mistaken, the remake that's being mentioned is often Metal Gear Solid 3. Yeah. Right? Yep. So. Okay, I think that's weird because of all, of, of all the games that need a remake, it's one, or at the very least, there needs to be a port of the GameCube Twin Snakes remake of Metal Gear Solid 1 so that everyone can play a better version of Metal Gear Solid 1. <laughs> um, so there's that. But my actual thought, the more I started thinking about it, because there's a line from Kojima that came up in part of the news this week, but he was saying, like, in the future as technology changes, maybe that we could put the legacy collection onto the next Xbox. And I'm of the mindset that if Konami is spending money on Silent Hill right now, which Silent Hill is a, a, a decent franchise for them. It, it's pulled money in for them many times, but Metal Gear Solid is a massive franchise for them. So if they're dumping money into two, not even two, but three Silent Hill projects right now, I am of the mindset that, that absolutely means that something is happening in the Metal Gear Solid realm for them. I think the smartest move for that is re-releases of the games first and remakes and or remasters. So I think what's going on here is that they're probably going to re-release the legacy collection, whether it's called that or not, to where essentially Metal Gear Solid 1 through 5 are all playable on PlayStation 5 and Xbox series consoles. Um that's that's my mindset so before we move on to how that led to discussions of pt would you say that you guys agree with that thought process or do you think there's a little bit more going on there or do you think it's just konami not wanting to mess with metagore solid because of people still being mad about kojima and how we saw that manifest with the poor reception of Metal Gear survive chris what are your thoughts um. Well, I think for one, I think this would
2: be on the service if Sony was willing to pay for the legacy collection, which I'd imagine they were like, we're not doing that. Probably too expensive, right? Because it wouldn't make sense to release like PS1 versions of MGS 1, 2, 3, in my opinion, when
0: their well, collection is just sitting there. Go ahead. Well, so what do you mean by that? Do you mean like the legacy collection that came for PS3?
2: Yeah.
0: Where had like, all I mean them they'd
2: there. be like, "Yeah, we'll give mm-hmm. you this this game is fine, I guess it's like it's m g s four is on a different disc, and then it's it's just the blue point remake it's 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 a weird thing, but I think if they were gonna do it, it they'd put that version of it up there, and I think that's part of why it's not there, um but I do think something's happening with Metal Gear i do mm. i it, obviously we had that rumor of m g s three remake, and I think that one well, they're just gonna do it all in timeline order which is weird, but My,
0: yeah, that would be interesting. My mindset really there is, uh, it's not so much that they didn't want to pay for that, but I think what's going on is Konami themselves are like, we don't want to put, we want to continue to make Metal Gear Solid hard to find and play on modern consoles so that when we make this announcement, people feel the need to buy this and it's all motivated by the money that could be made on a new collection rather than these games that could be included free on a PS plus premium. And then of course they could still be broken out for you to buy individually. But I think that their thought process is that they stand to make more money having a game that's not tied into a subscription service that is highly sought after because it's not very easy to play on modern consoles. It's essentially mm-hmm. impossible. You can't, you can't know, you play. It. You might be able to play it on Xbox One. Can you play the the uh, collection two and three collection backwards compatible on Xbox One? I think one? so. Yeah, no.
2: I'm pretty sure the yeah. only game that's not playable in, in, Which
0: would mean in this generation you play two and is three on
2: four. I think four is the only one that's locked on PS3. Everything else is everywhere else,
0: or it's been somewhere else. Um, well, Metroid Solid One has never come anywhere besides PC. True. Um, so that's another one that's essentially locked down because the PC port, uh, even the most recent one that came out, was literally just a port of the original two thousand uh, year two thousand PC port that had happened for the game, which is not very great. So, I right, saw. What are your thoughts here? I know you're a big Metroid Solid fan. Yeah. Uh... <sighs> I don't want to be pessimistic
1: and say that Konami doesn't want to touch it because of what happened with Survive. But Survive was their fault. So (laughs) maybe in, in, in my optimistic standpoint that they see that that was their fault and then they want to learn from that. They want to do something better. But at the same time, I also really want Silent Hill to be a thing. But people... People often revere Silent Hill <laughs> or or Silent Hills, I should say, slash PT, as, you know, this this kind of fantastic game. Well, it's gonna be real weird to see Silent Hills without Kojima. Right? So like I think that at that point, that's another one of those weird things where people already have expectations put into place by PT. And without it being the same game designer, it could be a little bit different. Right, like, yeah, tone, you know what I tone. think is
0: weird about that one is that Silent Hill existed for many, many, many games before yep. Hideo Kojima was ever involved in it, and yet suddenly now everyone expects like, oh, if you make a new Silent Hill and you don't let Kojima be part of it, you're ruining Silent Hill, and I'm like bro the the entirety of Silent Hill's history short of p t does not involve Kojima. And it's a revered series. Silent Hill 1, 2, and 3 are beloved games. 4 is a, a more niche and kind of split decision game for the fan base. And then the rest of the Western ones that came out, like Origins and Shattered Memory and uh, Downfall, I think is what it was called. Downpour, maybe. Downpour. Uh, yeah, those are the ones that are far more contested uh, as to whether they're good or bad. But it's so weird that somehow Kojima has become synonymous with Silent Hill just because he wanted to make a Silent Hill game that got canceled. So it's very unfortunate. But, I mean, you're you're right. I think anything with Konami right now, the the things that people want from Konami and and, uh, seemingly insatiable, we're going to talk about on the internet all the time way, are both Metal Solid and Silent Hills. So between those two games, they both are so heavily involving Kojima. And the the mysticism around how he chooses to develop games. Do you think that's going to impact Silent Hill's success at all? That like, Let's say they do make a new Silent Hill. That's not Silent Hills, but just Silent Hill. Do you think people are still going to be like, it's not Silent Hills, it's not PT, so we don't want it? Or do you think enough time has passed that the original fan base who like Silent Hill 2, 3, 1 are going to be like, yes, awesome, let me pick this up and go? Uh, I think... It's hard to say. I think it is too, but I'm trying not to be too clouded by judgment of the screaming people on the internet. Well, you know, I think that there's so many people that love silent Hill separate of PT, even though PT was just phenomenal um, that I, I could see it still doing well. Definitely. If one of the first things they're coming out with is a silent Hill two remake.
1: Well, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but silent Hill is just good horror, right? Like it, it's good horror. And the story in it is I say it's good, but like it's not it's mo it's it's more known for its visual story. So like all it takes is someone who has a visionary mind and horror with game design knowledge to be able to produce something that would be befitting of the Silent Hill game in theory. So you really could you really could put Silent Hill as a name on something with a game designer that knows horror visually, tonally, um, and they can do can achieve good writing, and then that it could be accomplished pretty easily, I would think. We saw that Kojima did it with PT. Um, so it's weird. I don't think, at least for me, I've never seen... A, taste or an example of elitism from like older silent hill fans to pt slash silent hills i haven't either so yeah. i think this is one of those things that we're safe in now metal gear solid on the other hand
0: well before we move away from silent hills oh, i was because, gonna say you well, could
1: you could see ahead. that okay. elitism.
0: yeah yeah definitely um <laughs> that's that's definitely true um I would say that Silent Hill's definitely. I mean, Silent Hill definitely has uh, visual aspects that people find very big. But a lot of the way, that, a lot of what people love about Silent Hill one, two, and three is the thematic natures of the game that a lot of horror games don't really brush into. So I would say that there yeah you could find somebody with a visionary mind and kind of go through but I think that there's definitely an expectation from long time Silent Hill fans that it can't just be horror with a visual flair that's like Silent Hill because that's what a lot of the western made Silent Hill games were um and they still didn't really get that love that Silent Hill 1, 2, or 3 had because there's something about the thematic nature, the slow paced, you know, sorrowful stories of 2 and 3, and how they deal with typically grief and human emotions and sometimes mental issues that come with those and how those things manifest. And so they're kind of like thematic blends that just happen to be good within their own world that make an interesting story and interesting characters, even if they're not always like Chris was talking about the voice acting in silent Hill two is so wild because some of it's actually pretty good. And then some of it's so wildly bad that it's kind of part of the game and some of the bad voice acting, it's like part of the, like, uh, the audio, like, you know, the audio aesthetic, there's a word for that. And I just can't think of what it is, but, um, yeah. It would be really interesting to see. Like, you know, I think Bloober team were being talked about for being part of this. And if Bloober team are behind a remake, great. If Bluebird team are behind an original title, I'm a little more worried because I don't know that they understand what makes a Silent Hill game a Silent Hill game to the fans. And that's also you bring up, you know, elitism. I don't know that it's I don't know that I'd consider it elitism for someone to be like, look, the game exists and maybe it's not terrible, but it's not really a it's not true to Silent Hill. Because at some point, what's in a name? You know, is a name literally just uh, "we're going to put it on there and make a, a horror game, and that's all it takes to be a Silent Hill game," or does there have to be a little bit more? You know, well, they've kind of already done that, the right? Question. Like there
1: are Silent Hill games that don't really fit into the universe. That's all.
0: why most of the people find that most of the because. Uh, Pretty much 2008, 2006, actually, whenever Origins came out, uh, onward were all Western Studios, and everyone was like, "These Western Studios don't understand what makes a Silent Hill game a Silent Hill game." Cause like a lot of them would do this thing where it was either like a retread of of, of Silent Hill One with like Origins, which is basically what it was—a truck driver who had um, hit that little girl, if I remember right. I played Origins. I don't think I beat no, the it. was a PSP game, wasn't, wasn't it? It was a PSP, PS2 game, but I played it on PSP. Yeah, <laughs> I played it on, I played it on I, PSP. And I'm pretty sure that it was, was an the impressive PSP game. Um, I know it was a Truck Driver. I just can't remember. I'm pretty sure that he thought he hit a girl, or he hit a girl. Uh, but anyway, between that and like Downpour, uh, that one wasn't so bad. Downpour, I think, was like really combat heavy, and that's never really been that true of like you know Silent Hill games have always had combat, but that's not really the main focus. So I don't know. It's weird, but Metagross Solid to get back around to that, I think definitely has this this Worry because it's always been kind of what we talked about a, a few episodes ago the idea that Metagross Solid is synonymous with Kojima because it got to the point where his name was on literally everything a Hideo Kojima game. So there's a much stronger tie to feeling like a Metagross Solid game needs to have Kojima connected to it. Whereas God of War has always been able to go away from that because they change directors every game. And they don't tell you the director on the on the you know you can figure that information out if you're a hardcore gamer but if you're not you've never built a connection with David Jaffe or uh, you know Stig Asmussen from Three or Corey Bar- Barlog from Two or uh, Rue Wathuria from uh, Ready at Dawn for the PSP titles so I think that that's a, a big difference in how they're going so I don't know if Konami can really get much use out of the Metal Gear IP without kojima being involved unless it's a remake and i kind of hope it is i mean I, I don't think there's anything wrong with bringing those games to a more modern audience i just think it's weird to start with three yeah unless like chris said the whole point is to make it uh you're you're doing them in chronological time order like that would be a weird choice but it would not surprise me
1: <laughs> i would ho- i would really hope they wouldn't do that
0: yeah but you know as as that leads to pt we were talking about how um what we you know why they took pt down and that led to chris uh giving his his positive theory as to why pt won't be shown off as because i was thinking it'd be cool if like konami (coughs) was like hey as a 10 year anniversary to pt uh we're gonna re-release pt because there are people that didn't get to experience this uh, watershed moment in gaming, this cultural phenomenon that all gamers played in on, and it was a huge thing. So we're going to open it up to a whole new you know, thing of gamers, and uh, Chris seems to think that that's not how it's going to go. It's going to go a little different.
2: Yeah, I right, just Chris? think when uh, when they announce the Kojima Silent Hills game, they'll announce it by just putting PT out again.
0: That's what I would So, think. If Ko- so that's what I if think. If Kojima's making Silent Hills, right... Then Kojima's just making the next matter go solid too, right? <laughs> like at what point To be fair, that's a logical step. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like it's actually more logical to say that Kojima will be doing Metal Gear than Silent Hills.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Cause it would take somebody at Konami being like, hey, we want to patch things up, but still keep you as a second, you know, not a where we don't want to own you or anything like that. We'll just well, we know that people want you behind the game, so we're going to partner with you to make the game. Um, I could see it working, but I could also see it being like, listen, we know you wanted to do Silent Hills, and we took your baby from you, so we're going to give you Silent Hills back. And if if we let you do Silent Hills, will you then make a new Metal Gear Solid for us? I don't could, know. Kojima really should just
1: make, like, I don't know, aluminum think, sprocket gas with the main character <laughs> of, of Worm,
2: And um, I mean. it'll be good. <laughs> I don't know. I think the main difference is that Kojima wanted to do Silent Hills and he hasn't wanted to do Metal Gear in like 50 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's probably why it's more likely he would do a Silent Hills game than a Metal Gear game, in my opinion. I don't know him, but that dude's been yeah, saying it's the know. last Metal Gear for the last five Metal Gears. So
0: Yeah, but he's also said that, hey, this is a... This is a new studio working on a new game. Oh, wait. No, it's PT. Oh, it's Met- never mind. That means it's Silent Hills. Hey, wait, yeah. we're a new studio working on a new game. Oh, no, nope, never mind. It's just Metagross Solid 5. <laughs> I just think he never wants to commit to anything. He's just like, Haha, I'll always keep you on your toes. Typical man. I still there's part of me that misses the time before Death stranding came out and before we really knew much about it when there was still that little chance that Saul's like long running thing was that the entire Konami breakup was a ruse cruise, and that it was going to turn out that when you played Death stranding it was silent hills all along <laughs> it, it kind of was oh, I though. thought that
2: I totally thought that too absolutely
1: it, thought I mean, that was true. you're it not ki-
0: entirely wrong
1: it kind of ended up <laughs> being it in a weird way by the end of by the end of uh Death Stranding, it had a lot of themes, a lot of names, too, that transferred.
0: Yeah. Ooh, yeah, I don't know. But that would have been like, honestly, that would have been the most ridiculously long, but potentially crazy successful, like, marketing scheme and gaming history. And almost I don't like, know if there's ever going to be another chance for that.
1: Almost like abandoned Blue Box being Kojima. Am I right, That—that's
0: the, that, the problem—is that it's everything becomes Kojima. Do you think Kojima, Kojima ever gets huh? just tired of being like everyone's like Kojima's working on this? No, I Kojima's think Kojima's behind it. it. He enjoys it, probably. Honestly, I think I if would, he was too. tired
2: of it, he would just be like, "I'm not making that game." I do not know that's- him.
0: <laughs> I don't know wrong. though. At this point, people are people are so fervorish about it. I think that if Kojima were to say, "I don't know him. I'm not making that game." People would be like, "Bullshit." There's there's the F and the and the U and then there's a C that's capitalized and a K and, and look, the first letter of every word spells "fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. We'll see what ends up happening, uh but. I guess we'll move ahead into uh, we did not do a community's take last week because we had too much fun with everything else we were doing. So sorry about that. Uh, Kind of realized it a little late and was like, well, I guess we're just going to open that up. So instead, we have a topic that we'll save for the end of the show uh, that came from one of our Patreons and listeners, longtime ones, uh, Rude Days. I'm going to run to the restroom Yeah, Rude Days 93.
1: I don't have anything to say about this topic.
0: Go for it. Uh, First piece of news up, though, we're going to go ahead and move into the news. And remember, normally with the Community Stake, if you want to be part of that, you can go and join us on our social media uh, platform so that you can be part of those discussions. Of course, there's a Discord link in the description that you can always go to and be part of those discussions there. We have a dedicated spot for the Community Stake as well as a dedicated spot for podcast open discussion. So if you want to give any of your thoughts on any of the things we're talking about, you can feel free to do so. Communicate with us or the other people in the community there. Uh, you can go to Facebook. We have a group called Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. Asked to be entered into that, and we will surely let you in. Uh, and last but certainly not least, you can find us on Twitter at Triangle S Q R D. Follow us on there, and uh, you can tweet at us, yell at us, do whatever you want. Uh, but the first piece of news up is that Activision has confirmed that this year's Call of Duty title, Modern Warfare 2, is releasing on October 28th, 2022. A leak born of Call of Duty Vanguard's third season launch has revealed the different additions, and interestingly, Sony's PlayStation platform will receive the open beta first, Which is a little surprising considering that Microsoft is still in the process of buying Activision. But as we always know, until the sale is final, all companies have to hold on to the agreements they've made with other ones. So Sony continuing to get this is not that surprising. It's only surprising in light of the Microsoft (laughs) acquisition. Uh, Chris, you're a big Modern Warfare 1 fan, correct? I am. Yep. Uh, Excellent game. You diggity down for Modern Warfare 2?
2: Oh yeah, I'll buy this day one. 100%. Hundred percent. I mean, I haven't bought a Call of Duty in a long time, so it's kind of
0: it's kind of time since since Modern Warfare. Well, no, hold on. You bought Vanguard, didn't you? Not no. Vanguard. Uh, Black Ops Cold War. No. Didn't no, did someone not. buy it for you? I thought your mom bought it for you or something weird. No, no, no. I bought it for my brother. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah,
2: because I was trying. I couldn't play it anyway because I couldn't get the PS5 version, so I didn't do it. Didn't play it. Oh. Sad days. Wasn't paying an upgrade fee for a game I was borrowing and then downloading.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to skip into this next thing right now and kind of get into the good and the bad of the new PS Plus stuff that's going on. So Saul's probably going to hang himself whenever he comes back (laughs) because we've been talking about PS Plus a lot lately. Um, So. I understand, but it's one of those things where it's one of the big things in gaming right now. So the first thing we're going to talk about is apparently some of the games in the catalog, like the Ape Escape a PS1 game, are running the 50 hertz PAL versions of selection uh, of the game. Uh, and these versions not tend to run slower. They run at a 10 frames per second lower um, frame rate than the NTSC versions. But what the, the problem there is is that the games weren't re-figured out to be 50 frames per second. They just slowed the games down to reach that 50 frames per second. So the games feel slower and not nearly as smooth as a result. So that's unfortunate. There was a lot of backlash about this exact issue on the PlayStation Classic, and I would have thought that meant they would have tried to avoid the PAL versions of the ROMs for this, but it appears that that's not the case what if that's just all they have left um, I well dude it's a ROM you can literally rip it from any disc this yeah. is their system and you can add oh. a DRM into that at any point so at some point it just feels like God dude just r- rip a disc of Ape Escape <laughs> yeah a- ask your fans pay send a message to someone and be like hey I'll send you $50 if you if you send me a rip <laughs> of Ape Escape <laughs> whatever you want to do somebody's got it um We'll give you a discount on your
2: PS Plus upgrade fee.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. Well, then they'll try and get that money back somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Seems to be the problem. Uh, More potentially bad news for the service comes as Sony confirms that, as has already been the case for all of these years with PS Now, DLC will not be supported through PS Plus Premium when you're streaming. That was also, of course, not a feature of PS Now in regards to PS3 games when it was coming up and PS4 games. But a lot of people were hoping that that would be something that would be looked at and fixed as a result of the service being refreshed and kind of compiled together. But it looks like at least right now, that's not something that they have pointed at. Now I find this weird because I don't, you know, there's, there's a lot of technical sides to that that I'm unaware of, but it seems to me that the issue likely comes from the, the versions of the games that they're streaming from these server blades either don't have the DLC around or they're choosing not to put game versions like, hey, the Game of the Year edition. Like at some point, if you're going to stream Skyrim, why would you stream PS3 Skyrim when you could stream PS3 Skyrim Game of the Year? Mm -hmm. And then all the DLC is already there as part of the package. But I think for games like Infamous uh, 2 and stuff like that that had separate DLCs um, that could be involved with them, I think it's an issue of them not having a version of that game's code that has that compiled in and then can DRM check it, probably because of the way games were coded. But I would like to imagine, on a simple level, that it seems ideal that when you log into PS Now, it puts a temporary connection of your PlayStation Network account onto a server blade. And there, there's a part of me that would hope, like, have the game and every bit of DLC that could be had able to be accessed by that file and then just run a DRM check to see if my account has got that DLC purchased or not. And if I do, let me play that DLC. But mm-hmm. I assume it's probably something to do with downloading and how they don't want the server blades to have to download DLC for a specific user and not another one. And um, that's unfortunate. I'm a little more surprised that PS4 games are going to suffer from the same issue. But thankfully, the PS4 games can be downloaded. So it's only... If you're streaming them, just to clarify, if you download the PS4 game, you can run DLC. No problem. You can buy it, it, do everything. It's interesting
2: because, excuse me, I don't think we talked about it on the show, but I actually had this issue with uh, New Vegas.
0: Because um,
2: I tried to play it on Now, like you suggested, and my save didn't carry over because my save had all the DLC and that was not accessible on PS Now
0: yeah that's why it makes most sense to me but maybe there's reasons that publishers don't want to give that version of their game but if sony's going to a publisher and be like hey can we allow users you know here's some money can we allow users to play new vegas on our streaming service why would sony not be like hey can we get people to play new vegas game of the year edition
2: yeah which that would have been, <laughs> you know? that would have
0: been the logical thing to do but
2: <clears throat> i'm more surprised it's weirder that they would put just vanilla new vegas on there i guess when the ultimate edition exists, but
0: that's hey. the thing. Like, for games that don't have ultimate editions or game of the year editions that compile the DLC, I can understand. But for games that have compiled DLC versions, how, why, you know, like, why are you choosing the worst version to put onto your service? Wouldn't you want to be able to be like, hey, pl- stream all of Skyrim, including its three DLCs? Yeah. That seems so much more enticing to me than, hey, stream vanilla Skyrim. What? <laughs> <laughs> the problem with it is, is that, and this is a question that I don't know the answer to. You might have been able to see and look it up. Um, does Xbox X Cloud? Does it allow you to stream and play the DLC from some of these games or not? Because if it's a problem on both sides, then maybe there's something about the way that games and DLC are made that make more sense as to why this limitation exists. And then if not, maybe we're if it's that Xbox does let you play that DLC, maybe this is just yet another example of PlayStation's tech debt getting in the way of uh, them being able to offer the feature at the same level because of how their servers were, in, were you know, set up initially. But, I don't know. Uh, you can look that up if you want to, Chris. <laughs> I am. Um, it is not possible to use DLC. Okay, so it's a problem across the board. So, it's something that's negative, but it's at least contextually consistent with the so competition. And I that's think unfortunate. it makes logical
2: sense now, actually. Right? Because it makes sense because they're not pinging your account. Right? They're just saying, you have PS now, you have access to these games. So, they're not in there like, oh, I have dead money for DLC so I can for Fallout New Vegas so I can play that. They're just like, no, you don't have any DLC because this is just a PS3 hooked up to a live stream basically for you. With that's just
0: vanilla. And then they're not checking it. But it back connects to your account. And it and it checks for your cloud saves. It checks against your trophies. It it checks everything about your account except apparently whether you own DLC for a game but, that you're playing. Well hold on I don't know if you noticed this, mm. but it's not the same cloud
2: saves on PS now. It is PSNOW specific cloud saves.
0: Cloud saves, of course. Of course, but you can transfer them to it. So it's still connected and your PSNOW account is like a separate version of your account that still has access to talk freely with your normal account. Right, but that's what I'm I'm saying. It's a different account
2: level that the account PSNOW is using does not have the DLC that I own. That's all I'm saying. But then
0: couldn't... then I mean, and I get you, but then again, I wonder where the fall apart happens that it couldn't just ping and ask PS Now to reach out to your actual PlayStation 3 account and check to see, hey, does he have this? And then therefore we can grant him a temporary license while he's playing this. I think the bigger thing is that they... I think it has something to do with the way the games are made and that they can't have... The DRM check can only happen once a downloaded version of the DLC is there. And I think what the problem is, is that when you don't have the DLC, I I guess the real solution here that I'm saying is that instead of having to check whether or not my account has a DLC, why have Sony chose to not go to each developer, publisher, or whatever is going on and say, when we put your version of our game up, we want your version of the game with all DLC and then use that as a marketing tool. Hey, you can stream these old PS3 classics. And guess what? If you missed out on the DLC on PS3, now you get to play them with all the DLC. Every every time that you stream a game, this copy gives you a temporary license to the DLC of this game, just like we're giving you temporary license to stream the game in its original form to begin with. And I think that would have been a much cooler Way in a much more marketable way to be like, hey, did you miss out on the horse armor and oblivion, and you want to go play? <laughs> Here well, you go. Honest, you know, honestly, the longer we talk about it, the more
2: s- simple I think the answer is, and the answer is that the DLC is not installed on the server rack.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I've been saying. And that's the answer. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't know why Sony would not say, hey, when we install your game on our server rack, have it be a complete version with all DLC compiled in. Yeah. I don't know.
2: It would that would make the most yeah. sense.
0: Just to put a game edition on there rather than a vanilla version. Yeah. Okay. So to continue with the potential bad of the new PS Plus, uh, I am going to now that Saul's back, uh, see what everybody thinks of this. So the new PS Plus has launched specifically in certain Asian territories. And as a result, there are users who are claiming that the PS Plus upgrades are penalizing people who used discounts to get their PS Plus or PS Now initially and also penalizing people who stacked subscriptions initially. Um and that you're gonna to have to pay the difference of what you would have had to have paid in order to get up to these services. Now, I don't know the veracity of these claims because they've been coming out mostly today, and I haven't had time to check into every single one of them, but what they're essentially claiming is that if you received a PS Plus with a discount of 25%, they're gonna come back after you for the 25% that you did not pay, essentially, and whatever else it would take you to get to the remainder of your upgrade. So say you buy PS Plus, uh, you got it for $45, and that's you know $15 off, and now you're wanting to upgrade to uh, deluxe or premium or whatever you want to call it. And what they're saying is that they're charging you the price difference between PS Plus and deluxe, premium, whatever you want to call them, and also adding back in the percentage that you got off. So if you got $15 off, you would pay not only the difference between $60 and $120, you'd pay another $15 on top of that. Um, So I don't know how true that is, uh, but that's what people are saying. The bigger issue here comes from, in my opinion, Sony walking back on what they initially stated. So Chris and I had some back and forth earlier because, of course, Sony has scrubbed everything that they can of their wording because they've clearly chosen to go back on this. Uh, And I think it's an interesting choice because as some of you may remember, and some of you may not, and I wanted to go double check because I didn't think my memory was failing me. I used a website called Wayback machine uh, that you can use to check a URL to see times that it's been changed. Essentially what people do is they take a URL screenshot basically. And it's a, direct copy of the URL that you can scroll through and everything. And it shows you what it was like on any given date. So I went back to the March 29th uh, initial post of the announcement of new PS plus, And on there, Sony says that they are going to be phasing out PS now as a result of the new merger. And that customers who have PS now are going to have their service rolled up into PlayStation plus premium with no upcharge at the start of service. Clearly, that's changed. And that was also what drove a lot of people toward going towards banking up on PS Now uh, before Sony came back about a week or two later and said, we're no longer going to allow that. All vouchers are going to not be allowed to be entered. And once they start the program in your area, you'll be able to take those vouchers, redeem them, and here's how they will convert. At the time, it seemed that people who were able to get in uh, beforehand were just going to have reaped the benefit. Now it looks like Sony might be taking that off. Um, So before we get into whether or not that will happen in areas that are outside of Asia, which is a good question, uh, Saul, what are your thoughts here as to this, just from a general PR look uh, and as a customer in general? So if there was
1: a quote-unquote exploit, Or was it offered by the company?
0: Sony offered it. They said that if you were a PS Now person, um, that whatever the remainder of your subscription was, you would automatically roll up into um, PS Plus Premium. Then they also had a version that said if you have both PS Plus and PS Now, they will... Uh, They will choose whichever expiration date for your service that you have that was the later of the two. So say you had PS Plus that was going to expire uh, next month and you had PS Now that was going to expire in November. They would give you PS Plus Premium until November. Um, And that seems to be where they have changed their mind. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, that's, that's where we are right now with it. And yeah. these users are saying that Sony is coming to them and saying, hey, to upgrade, you didn't get automatically upgraded. To upgrade, we're going af- to ask you to pay some kind of difference. Yeah, that's on them. Yeah, I agree as well. You know, as we're in this situation where, Saul, I don't think you've done it the way I did. But Xbox has long had multiple loopholes to get Game Pass for very cheap. And they've closed plenty of them, but they've kept plenty of them open as well. Um, and they've never come back and said, Hey, you're gonna owe us extra money. You know, at some point, I think if you offer something or if you have an exploit that you know and you offer and say, Hey, these are gonna be we're gonna offer to make your games with gold into Game Pass Ultimate for uh, you know, once you join Game Pass Ultimate, if people find a way to abuse that, you've got to take that on the chin or you've gotta be clear from the front and say, Hey, we're not doing that, or once you find the issue, go, hey, as of today. That no longer works, but if you're able to get in, you have it. Um now I, I don't I'm curious because I know Chris and I had some back and forth earlier, but it wasn't more about the it's not necessarily at the time I didn't get a feel for your opinion of the matter, but more so at the time it was whether or not they had even offered this. But now we know that they've offered it and we know that for sure. Because I agree. I didn't want to come on the podcast and start talking out of my ass and it turns out I was wrong. No. Completely reasonable standpoint. <laughs> but now that we know what we know and we can look and see that Sony themselves have verified that this was their original intent, what they initially announced. How do you feel about this?
2: I I feel like this is obviously bad on Sony's part, but I have trouble being surprised. I guess,
0: you know. I think that's a fair way to put it. I, I think it's ridiculous of Sony. Am I that surprised by it? Mm. But I'm, I'm a little su- surprised, but not massively.
2: Well, because you know, I have to wonder if they would be doing this. You know, it's not like people went on the PSN unless I'm wrong. It's not like people went on the PSN store and paid. Like it's not because if I went on a Black Friday discount on the PSN store and bought PS Plus and PS Now. I don't I could be wrong, but I don't think they'd be charging me more. I think they were looking at people cuz wasn't it a lot of it like they were being sold vouchers that were a not supposed to be sold anyway and then exploiting the cheaper prices on those vouchers, right? That was how it was going around. I I don't know, I could be wrong.
0: Well, on here it doesn't completely say exactly how that happened. This is a quote from the Video Games Chronicle article article that you posted. Uh, It says, players who previously stacked PlayStation Plus uh, memberships also claim that in order to upgrade to a new subscription tier, they're required to do so for the entire duration of their current plan. That's one thing. Um, It says... Let's see. No, okay. I don't think this article is actually talking about that. Uh, Because a lot of it came down to says, among the complaints being leveled at Sony, it's claimed that players who purchase their existing subscription using a discount are being charged extra to upgrade to a different PlayStation Plus tier, wiping out any previous saving. Now, that's a really hard thing to figure out with the wording on this, because yeah. my real question would be, how would Sony know uh, whether or not you got it for cheaper or not? How would they know exactly how much you paid for it? But even if they were able to say, well, we know this code and we know that they weren't supposed to be sold, but we went ahead and honored them anyway, I I think you have to say that, okay, the end user who bought it may not have known that these weren't supposed to be sold and they're just being a consumer who saw a deal and took it and you chose to honor it at the time. Why would you be able to go back now and say, no, never mind, we don't. We're going to take back the fact that we honored this many years or months ago. And instead, we're going to say that now you have to pay us the difference. Now, yeah. whether or not they legally have the ability to do that, I don't know. But it's probably in the terms and conditions somewhere. Yeah from a from a pure PR standpoint, this is a nightmare, in my opinion. I don't think it's a nightmare.
2: I think it's a hmm. anti. I think it's kind of anti-consumer. For me, it all comes down to like how they know. Because if they're looking at it and they're like, you put in a voucher after this date, we know that all the vouchers were discounted. Let's say they were like this base amount and you were not supposed to be able to buy those. I think that's something they should be going after retailers for. Right. They exactly. should be that, yelling at, yeah. at mm-hmm. Walmart.com. But I don't think, I don't know.
0: I that, guess the that, thing is that'd like That'd be I, my middle ground. Why would the customer in that case be punished for something that retailers went out of their way to do? The customer was just being a customer. It happened through a legit situation and it just so happens that they don't want to honor that anymore. I don't I think that would come down to you need to look for damages by suing the retailer who broke what you told them yeah. or you know.
2: I think it's a garbage reversal of fortune, but I just don't have the energy in myself to be shocked by a corporation corporating. Like, I just don't have it in me. That's the big thing yeah. with this. That's why I was kind of like, I want to be sure I'm right, because it, a lot of the stuff that you were sending me, I, I could see them being like, having loopholes. The original, even, even the one that confirms it, there's still a loophole in there. There still is. Um, it's less... Because the, all the other ones that I was reading before, it was kind of like, well, they'll do this, and it'll be you know, extended out to here. But they didn't say... you Because know, the way one of them read was like, we'll choose the later date, and then that's when you'll be charged. But it didn't say, we'll choose the later date, and then you'll be charged in 2027. It just says, okay, we're going to pick December instead of November, and you're charged now December 25th. You know what I mean? Because that's how I read a lot of them. But I look at these things as like a how is this company trying to screw me and more than like and i think that was a big problem that i was looking at these articles and it was it seemed like a lot of people were looking at them very optimistically that was i that was the impression i was getting from you and blake and from reading the articles was people were looking at these quotes like oh Sony's going to choose a later date. That means they're going to choose December 2025 rather than, no, they're going to charge you in December of next year. You know what I mean?
0: So, And and they absolutely could have. And I'll give you that in the sense that the I only sent those articles because it was the first one I could get to come up and I knew that it would be... I I knew because I remember when it happened that Sony updated the original blog Mm -hmm. post and took that wording off. So I knew I couldn't find it there. So I was instead trying to point, but that's where I originally read it. (coughs) So I was trying to instead find articles that would point towards the quotes and they were saying it in the way that I more or less remembered it from reading it on the PS blog. But you're right, there's a chance for it to be editorialized in, in such a nature where if it's not a direct quote in quotations, then you could say, is this them just choosing to read this in a more positive light? Uh so that's why I was like I want to go back to Wayback machine because I know that that exists and I want to see cuz if I if I read that wrong it's entirely possible and I was like so now once I knew I was like so this comes down to I agree in the sense that Sony still gave themselves enough wiggle room to essentially do what they want yeah because that uh, they're a corporation and like you said that's how corporations operate uh but I think PR is a really interesting thing right now in the state of Microsoft being typically in the better for PR, even if it doesn't necessarily mean as much engagement as Sony gets for their even, you know, more neutral PR moves, um, that's a really interesting thing. Sony gets a lot of engagement on videos, social posts, views on things, likes and dislikes on things, uh, than Microsoft does. But I think a lot of people would view most of Microsoft's PR things to be more positive and friendly and pro consumer in quotations. (laughs) Uh, and so I think it definitely does muddy the waters where, when you look at PlayStation contextually, you're kind of like, Why are they seeding that ground when they don't have to? But I think if you flip it on Sony, Sony's like, or we don't have to we get to do whatever we want because we're that much more bigger than our competition, at least at this current state.
2: You know, even the original blog post you sent, it says, you know, when the service launches. It'll transition to PS Plus, and it will no longer be available as a standalone service. Customers will migrate over to PlayStation Plus Premium with no increase to their current subscription fees at launch. So honestly, quite frankly, Sony should have just been like, we honored it for the first three months of launch, and now you have to pay the difference if you want to, or we transition you into your year becomes six months. That If they wanted to avoid all this, that's what they should have done. They should have just left all this up and be like, we honored it for a little while, and now you have to pay the proper mm-hmm. price if they want I agree to avoid the, sense the PR that
0: communication is everything what they should yeah. honestly they should have known up, up front that they didn't want to have to honor all these things they should have I don't think I see how anybody could say hey if you have PS now we're just going to convert you over to PS plus and that maybe they may not have said it in completely sure words but you said it in enough words that are going to drive people to try and abuse that and for you to not be like mm, I can foresee this happening uh within reason. It's kind of this thing of uh, not in a criminal sense, but it's like negligence to pay attention to potential outcomes. Um, so in that regard, I feel like Sony should have said up front, listen, we understand that this is a weird thing. So if you have PS now, we'll honor three months of you becoming a PS premium thing. And that's a, as a value to you because you bought a $60 PS now and you're getting a $120 thing for three months. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you have to pay if you want to keep that up. I think if they would have said all these things up front, it's not the end relay. It's not the end part of it that's the issue. It's not where we are. It's the fact that we got to where we are with absolutely zero word from Sony to prepare anyone for this and set the grounds for what to expect. Instead, we were told one thing, then that was changed to something that was palatable, but still like, ah, it's not as good as it was, but you know what? At least you're converting something to now the day it releases, by the way, you owe us. And if you bought your stuff on discount, we're coming to you. It's just poorly communicated. And I think it goes to show that Sony has a little bit of an issue in their marketing and outward promoting of the left hand, not being too aware of what the right hand's doing. (laughs) If we want to just put it in simple terms, um, even if on their actual game development side and production side, they seem to be pretty smooth running. Um, they need to get a good team on the outside of that. But I don't know. I would say, I, Saul and I have talked about, before you ever came on the show, of course, Chris, but the idea of pro-consumer and anti-consumer kind of just being words that, they're buzzwords. It's really what yeah. they are. I mean, every company is technically anti-consumer. The whole point of a product is to put something out that they give you money for, and they get to hold on to as much money as they can reasonably obtain right. and get from you without you bucking back. Mm-hmm. Now you can spin things all you want to make it look like you're being pro-consumer, but at the end of the day, do you think Microsoft made backwards compatibility available because they weren't going to make money off of it? No, they knew. Hey, if we get backwards compatibility running, and then get these games re put up on the store. People can buy these games from us and we'll make residuals off of this and that's more money for us. Every move is motivated by money. 100%. So, you know, it's just this is starkly more like drastically negative toward the end user than most companies outwardly put. You know what I mean? Because that's the thing. It's like nobody
2: should be surprised by this because for lack of a better word, everyone was stealing sony's money and i'm not surprised that sony's like i want my money back just because i look at the the stuff like these companies don't give a crap about me so why would they do the right thing for me they're going to take my money and that's if you look at it that way and you understand that then this doesn't surprise you and it doesn't bother you because it doesn't bother me even though i think it's garbage um
0: so. Yeah, I just you know the only thing I'd say is it's a, it's a fairly pessimistic way to look at the thing. And I, now that doesn't yeah, necessarily mean that I think you should completely flip and do the one hundred percent optimistic thing either. I think there's probably there's a really fine line where you can have a foot in the understanding that that companies are ninety nine percent of the time trying to find a way to take your money from your wallet and put it in theirs. <laughs> versus the fact that that can also sometimes result in things that you're happy about and that 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 exchange feels worth it to you. Um and there's a there's a fine line that all companies need to try and walk if they want to be able to get as much money from users as they can without users starting to be like whoa 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 hey fuck you. Because that's essentially the line that most companies end up dying or thriving on Mm -hmm. and uh, you've seen companies be like uh hey we're going to charge a lot of them out and then go under now normally not companies as established as playstation and sony um but you saw it hit sony with even the ps3 right you think sony comes out and says we're going to sell you a ps3 for 599 dollars in 2007 uh, and you're just gonna you're gonna deal with it because you want a playstation because we're fucking awesome (laughs) And that clearly did not work well for them. So it goes to show that there is a line that even Sony knows that you have to walk. I think what makes this weird is like when they came out and said, that hey, we're going to honor original digital purchases for PS Plus games of the classic variety like these PS1 and PSP games. So if you've bought them digitally elsewhere, you'll be able to download them completely free of charge now and we'll let you buy them separately from being under the thing. I was like, look at that. It's still them making money. And finding ways to try and convince me to spend more money on there, but it's a decidedly different look than, hey, you owe us for that discount we gave you three months ago, bro. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I think it's, I think this whole PS Plus thing has been really interesting. On the upside of it all, though, uh, one thing that I actually do really think is cool is in uh, the PS Plus premium tier, multiple classic games have received trophy support. So Siphon Filter is one of those games. Ape Escape also has them. Hotshots Golf and more have already received support. Uh, It is not a blanket solution for all services on the game. It has been uh, known that it is an optional thing that developers can opt into, which I think is the right move because it will keep games coming quicker. I think the problem you run into if you force all developers to put trophies on is that games will come at a significantly slower rate and instead if you say hey if you want to put trophies in you can and if not you don't have to worry about it we're going to get a much bigger library a lot quicker is what i th- is what i think um and some developers may think we can make more money by offering trophies and people will be more likely to buy these games like chris the difference between buying siphon filter and not and playing it could be mm-hmm. for a person like you hey siphon filter has a platinum and you can get a platinum in a ps1 game yeah that, nov- that novelty of getting a Platinum in a PS1 game alone is it's pretty
2: cool. cool. But I'm not playing yeah. Siphon Filter. That game controls like garbage.
0: But you can tase people and set them on fire.
2: You can definitely do that. But I played it on <laughs> PS Vita, and it was one of the worst experiences I've had playing a game. That, Resident <laughs> Evil 2, awful, awful. You know what you should play, play? though? What you should, should
0: play Logan, Shadow, and Dark Mirror, the both of the PSP games from, uh, from Siphon yeah, Filter. They're both I'll really good. Them, I'll definitely do it. Yeah, they're great games. If nothing else, you can play them on your Vita with analog stick support instead of having to use the face buttons. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, One thing I noticed that you didn't mention here is that there's filters for the games. Yes, there are. Uh, Those are cool. So there's... There's multiple uh, for for some of the games there's filters and there's uh, multiple support for what kind of uh aspect ratio that you want to give to the game as well as filters for uh default and then retro which uh, gives it like a cRT filter and then there's modern which is not quite as bright as default it gives a little more darker and contrasty looks um. So that's kind of cool, and I'm curious to see how that ends up working in games. So uh, moving on to the next thing, I think we're going to end on this other thing, so I'm going to skip up. For the next thing, Norman Reedus, for not the first time, seems to have let the baby out of the backpack and revealed that Death Stranding 2 is coming. Don't ever say that again. He talked about how he was recruited to Silent Hills and other exciting things in relation to his friendship with Kojima, but the most exciting portion comes later in the interview when he says... Quote, it took me maybe two or three years to finish all the mocap sessions and everything, end quote. Ritas told Leo, uh, Leo Edit, quote, it took a lot of work, and when the game came out, uh, and it just won all these awards, and it was a huge thing, so we just started part two of that, end quote. Uh, it would appear that Death Stranding 2 is happening and still far out, but of course, take that with a grain of salt. We can't know exactly what he meant by it, but he's mentioned towards the fact that there's supposed to be a second one before, with a very similar offhand, very low key quote of like, "Yeah, I think they're starting to work on the on the follow up to that game." He said that in a quote like eight months ago. So I don't know. So, Saul, here's the problem: if Norman Reedus is involved and knows that there's a Death Stranding two, that would probably mean that he's involved in Death Stranding two. Is that a yay or a nay from you? You would think so, yeah. Do you want him to be involved in two Or do you because I know at one point you and I were talking about like Death Stranding seems like the kind of game that you could do what a lot of people wanted the original The Last of Us to do and just be like, that's the end. We can still be in this world and you can explore other characters in this world, maybe different times where there's been extinction level events or whatever you want to do. But you don't necessarily have to follow Sam and BB anymore, right? Right. Yeah. That's, that's, so that's the Last of Us 2
1: thing is that I wish, I hope that if they do Death Stranding 2, there's nods to the characters from Death Stranding 1, but they're not in Death Stranding 2.
0: Hmm. Maybe what it is is that, maybe that, maybe what it is is that Norman is in the game as a, you know, like you see him. There's times where you brush up with them or whatever and they do exactly that, but then the rest of the time you're playing as a different character. But I don't know. I think the problem is is when you continue to use the same character, to some degree, there feels like you've got to keep building the character up more. So it's like you have to find a way to up the stakes from the first game. And the first game's got pretty high stakes. So I don't yeah, really know... World. I don't really know how you do that again. That's that's the problem I have with It's like, you can do that with another character. You can have another character experiencing something. You know, it was mentioned that in Death Stranding, um what do they call them? A, a recompatriate or whatever? The the dudes who can who can die and then instead of dying they can bring themselves back yeah, from yeah, the beach. Yeah. So
2: if it's there are speech. others
0: speech. if there are others of those, then why couldn't we just follow another one? Because gameplay-wise, you would make sense with the fact that you can revive as a mechanic. There would be... You'd be able to see the craters that come from the things that happen when those do happen. And you can go on about your business, right? That seems to make the most sense to me, but I don't know. I also thought that The Last of Us 2, despite the fact that I enjoyed that game... Thoroughly, I always thought The Last of Us Two would certainly focus on two new characters that are just in the in the world, and maybe you hear about Joel and Ellie, or you hear about a hardened adventurer, or a hardened survivor, and and this girl he follows, who you know he goes around with. And that's not at all what they did. <laughs> so,
2: still should have been Abby and the guy she hooks up with. That should have been the game.
0: Um, I think it would have been far less controversial. Hundred percent.
2: Imagine if that game ends with her doing what she does. Anyway, um, I think the <laughs> most obvious thing for Death Stranding 2 is, uh, oh, what's the babe, What's BB's name? I keep forgetting. Lou. Lou. Is, oh, uh, yeah. Lou is the one who is delivering packages, and Sam is in a house somewhere.
0: Oh, old Sam. So The Last of Us 2. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Except done well. Uh, so we may have just technically spoiled some of Death Stranding, but at the same time, I got to tell you, it's kind of impossible to spoil Death Stranding. But yeah, I, I didn't spoil anything. I didn't spoil nothing. Eh, a little bit. I, I won't say recently. anymore in case it went past certain people's heads. But point being, nonetheless, you could um, consider it a spoiler.
2: But when you play the game, you'll realize I didn't spoil anything. <laughs>
0: I, I more or less agree. Um, all right. Next thing up. Embracer Group announced in a financial call that Saber Interactive has begun work with Aspire Media on the exclusive PlayStation or timed exclusive PlayStation Knights of the Old Republic remake. Uh, and I say timed exclusive. Because that's how it was originally announced. But there's been a lot of interesting news this week that came from Microsoft turning down a lot of games so, who knows exactly whether this game will eventually be multi platform or not? Um, but Embracer was saying that they knew when they started, uh, when they bought uh, Aspire, that they were going to uh, probably need the help of Embracer to bring people in to help them. And Saber Interactive is a real big support studio and port studio, and of course, original developer sometimes. So, it's not surprising to see that. When do you guys think we see now to the Old Republic remake next? If if Embracers just now joining in. Do you think it's anytime soon, or do you think this spells that it's probably more like more than a year out, if not longer?
2: It's definitely more than a year out. Yeah. I agree. But I think probably the next Sony
0: show they'll show it. Bigger question. How likely do you guys think that there is that there will be a Knights of the Old Republic two remake?
2: Pretty good.
1: I hope so. I'm on the I'm on like the side where I think Knights of the Republic Two is better than one.
0: Yeah, it's funny because that's what the Old Republic Two was—the one not made by Obsidian, right? Or not uh, not made by BioWare? It was made by Obsidian.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty sure.
0: Goes to show you, look—the Obsidian-made version of every franchise is better than their than the other developer. Hmm. <coughs> I'm not even going to acknowledge <laughs> I, that. I said that just to get Chris's goat, and it totally I worked. Mean. I'm not. It didn't work. I'm not saying a word.
2: <clears throat> What's next,
0: <throat> Brett? During a corporate strategy meeting, Sony CEO <laughs> Kenichiro Yoshida said that Bungie represents, quote, a major step towards being multi-platform, end quote, and mentions PC and Xbox in his comments. It remains to be seen what exactly this indicated, but with MLB already multi-platform, could we see other first-party live service games come to PC and Xbox day and date? Or is this more of something that, much like PC, he intends to have these games go PC and Xbox later and still launch on PlayStation first? I don't know, man. I've I said that exclusives are still a really weird thing because even if you take away the bucks, exclusives are a reason to bring people to your storefront. There's a reason that Epic Game Store still pays to have games. Like it pays beaucoups of money to have games exclusive to Epic Game Store and not available on Steam. And it's because they want people to use Epic Game Store so much that it becomes that their default purchase is just going to be the Epic Game Store for any game because that's where the majority of their games are. That's literally every game storefront's purpose, and that's what they're trying to do. It seems weird to me. To do that because it's so, it's like the antithesis of the normal console manufacturer, storefront provider MO. At this point, it's almost being more like an actual publisher and saying, like, doesn't matter what storefront we're on, instead, it matters how many copies of whatever game sells. But we know that Sony makes massive, massive money from their percentage that they get from games as well as their percentage that they get from microtransactions. So this seems like such a weird thing when the majority of the PS4, they made most of their money from people buying through their storefront and has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the consoles themselves. So what are your thoughts here? Because the loop used to be that you get exclusives on your platform so that people buy them and and want to choose your platform as their primary platform And then all other games get purchased and you make your real money, not from the exclusive game necessarily. You might get lucky and get a profit from that. But instead, you make all your money from the other game purchases. If you take that away and you say, well, someone might have bought PlayStation 5 for The Last of Us Part 2 or for Death Stranding, but now those are also coming to Xbox, then where, where does that loop start and finish? That's a great question that I'm curious to see what Sony's opinion on it is or is it strictly live service
2: um well i think with this it, it depends on what they do right like realistically i think at any point if you're doing a free to play game it should be everywhere that's the best way to build a audience it's the best way to build a community around the game like i think i've said before last of us factions should absolutely be day 1 pc and i would almost argue at this point it should be day 1 xbox it won't be but like why why isn't there a world where, you know, the Xbox version comes out and then in the case is a little slip that says uh, play God of War 2018, Ghost of Tsushima, and Last of Us Part Two on, on PlayStation 5? Or, you know, you finish a map, you finish a multiplayer match, and, like, every 30 of them it goes, did you like this match? If you want more of this Last of Us world... On Last of Us remastered and Last of Us Part Two are available on PlayStation Five. Like, it just seems like a the great way. Like I always said, you know, Nintendo Virtual Console should be on everything. And when you finish Super Mario World, it should go. It should have a trailer at the end for Super Mario Odyssey, available exclusively on Switch.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's it's a terrible idea. But I think that that's true for live service games that make more sense, like you said, to bring more people in for microtransactions, bring more people in just to keep people playing the game, so that your money's not wasted in development for a game that will eventually just be shut down or have a mostly dead server. Um, and then bring people for the exclusive single player narrative driven driven experiences that you're known for. I could see that. Uh, Speaking of that, Bungie is, of course, games as a service. So, Saul, how do you think Bungie's games as a service idea plays into that? I mean, PC, of course, I think day one for all of PlayStation's live service games makes sense. But do you think Xbox immediately makes sense? Or should there still be a delay or, or what?
1: It's interesting, right? So, if if everything's going to revolve around, you know, multi-platform, then like what you were talking about is like you have to have something. Um. That pulls people in something anything, so it gets yeah. into this weird part of like you would technically want those partners to do stuff earlier um, whether it's content um you know what's what's weird is we got a direct right for trials or tribes of Edgar, yeah, I would almost assume that we're gonna start seeing more directs that are tailored towards these uh properties and it's really going to like be promotions to really show off what you, what can happen with these games. And at that point it becomes like a bragging contest and I think that that's what's going to really kind of drive people coming to the to the systems like the ecosystems for from a live game perspective only, right? So like big okay, big yeah. spectacles from Uh, first-party games that are multiplayer-based, and um, you know, uh, exclusive content, and then for you know, unlive games, like or for non-live games, you are gonna have better system features. You know, which which system can play used games, right? What Mm -hmm. what systems can what, what systems have the best backwards compatibility at that point? Um. There's quite a few things that I think that they could do that would be better, Um,
0: and that's so straight feature instead of hardware, right? right. That's kind of what you mean, like
1: yeah. And that's that's something that's that's really important is them focusing on that kind of thing. And you know, um, it's possible. If if I've said it before, or I think that that everything could be multi platform and everything would be okay.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be okay. I just think that going back to circling back around to the PS Plus conversation about the fact that all businesses are out to get as much of your money as possible. Right now, in my head, those the way that the business loop is makes so much sense. And they've seen such success from it, definitely for the PS4, which brought Sony as a whole as a company back into uh, the black instead of being in the red as an entire company. For years, they were having the sell off bits of Sony to be able to, to continue being Sony. That's why ViO isn't doesn't exist for them anymore. It's why they don't do Sony Ericsson anymore. All of those things had to kind of slowly be peeled off and sold off so they could survive long enough for PlayStation to become so profitable that it could bring the entire company into the black. Right. And I think when you look at it that way, it's hard for my head to completely make all of this come together in a way to where without that loop, where can I understand this? And it might be Sony being risky and being like, we know that loop works now, but if that loop is what's going away, we got to be risky now and try and get ahead of it so that we can be involved in the new loop that makes us money without having to be the last to come to that game. Uh, And they may be trying to jump the gun and be the first to reach that point of where they've diversified PlayStation as a, Money maker so much that they've found a different way to make money as PlayStation. But I don't know. It's, I just can't quite do it right now in my head. So I'm very curious to see what the next few years are. And I think things like announcing whether or not games come day and date, like Chris is suggesting might happen. Um, I think day and to PC is completely in line with their current ideology. Uh, And I think that more than anything, it's so that all this work they're putting into for live service games doesn't mean that it's it's stuck on one platform, that it has a higher chance to thrive with PC included. And Chris might be right. When it comes to live games, it might be that going to Xbox just has to make enough sense to do it. Going back to something you said, though, Saul, that I'm a little curious of your take on, and also making sure I understood you correctly, is that you were talking about games that are live service would have exclusive content for PlayStation? Is that kind of what you were saying as a means to draw people towards the PlayStation side of that? Yeah. So one thing I would be worried about, and you kind of you should remember it from Destiny Two, when Destiny Two had exclusive content for PlayStation by means of the Activision partnership. Um, the, the problem that can kind of happen from that is that it does the exact opposite of what the point of going on multiple consoles was, which is that you have a unified game base who can all do the same thing. The problem with that originally, right, it it made sense because the PlayStation version of the game only played with PlayStation people on a separate server. So the PlayStation content was fine because all players got it. But the moment you start doing cross play with everything, how do you make it make sense that PlayStation has exclusive content for a live service game? but the Xbox one doesn't. And how do those things come together? Is it literally content or is it strictly like, Hey, on the PlayStation side, you'll be able to play as ratchet or Sly Cooper in this game. And it's strictly visual and it doesn't impact the game in any crazy way. There's not like levels. You can only play as PlayStation people. Instead. It's just characters. You're going to play like, is that kind of your viewpoint in a way that wouldn't do the exact opposite of what the idea of having a, a open uniform, uh, base level that all players can do. Like cuz part of this may be answered by mobile versions of games like Apex and Fortnite, but I'm going to probably wager a bet that Apex and Fortnite don't have exclusive characters for platforms, right? Like yes, when Kratos do. was added to So okay, they so they do. Okay, so mm-hmm. Chris, can yes. you teach me? <laughs> cuz I I've never played Fortnite at all. So what well, is the exclusivity and and what what way does it play out? Does I mean, it in the game? I
2: don't know about Fortnite. I don't play Fortnite, but in Apex Mobile, there is a mobile specific legend that Respawn has said will never come to Apex on console because they want the mobile experience to be its own thing. Maybe it doesn't fit exactly what you want. It's kind of close. Cool. Well, okay, example. so hold on. Well, that's, well, does Apex.
1: To be clear, Go this ahead, is so not what I want. This is what I think will happen.
0: Yeah, of course. Of course. And that's. that's yeah, that's a good thing to clarify. Well, I, I meant uh, the example that you want. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah. So, Chris, on Apex, this might help m- at least clarify for me. Okay. Is Apex Mobile cross-play with Apex console?
2: Not at the moment, I don't believe.
0: Okay. Then that makes sense. So, Fortnite's a better example because Fortnite Mobile is cross-play with the console and PC versions. Correct? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Okay. So from what I understand, like when you're in Fortnite, if I'm not mistaken, when they added Kratos to Fortnite, players on Xbox and on phone could use Kratos on that version of the game, despite not being on that platform. And I think the reasoning being is that them, those characters being in there is still clearly a big draw for Sony because it's like, oh, these cool Sony characters. But it's not like, oh, if I want to play as them, I have to be on that version of the game. Because they want no. that unified platform, so I, I don't know. That's that's the weird step for me right now. But I'm curious to see what they end up doing. Um, but the last thing that we have for the news here uh, comes by way of Chris's favorite, apparently, video game chronicles. <laughs> yeah, that's the only set <laughs> that video games chronicle. Um, and it is a story that comes, and this has been a big thing. Chris can show you the book. There's a book that recently released that is called uh, Blood <Set The Set Ultimate pickles. History of Gaming. Is that correct? Blood, Sweat, and Pickles. The Ultimate Deep History cut. of Gaming of Video Games Volume 2 by Stephen L. Kent. So shout out Stephen L. Kent. If you want to read that book, go for it. But a couple of interesting nuggets have come out. Um, and I'll start with a slightly simpler one. Uh, for a long time, many people had assumed that the reason Metagross Solid 4 was an exclusive PS3 title was because Sony had worked out some kind of exclusivity deal. Well, it turns out that is not the case. The game was up and running on a 360, reportedly running better than its PS3 counterpart on the 360, but the problem that they ran into is that the game was 50 gigs and that meant that it had to be on seven DVDs in order to be able to be on Xbox, whereas it could be on one dual layer Blu-ray. And so it simply came to PS3 exclusively as a means of technology and what could fit for this absolutely massive game. Uh, So with that in mind, there are some more interesting things that we see in relation to the consoles and often what people refer to as the console wars. Uh, one of those things, before we get to the big final one, was also that Knights of the Old Republic remake was pitched to Microsoft, and Microsoft decided against it. And Sony swept in and said, hey, we'll fund that and be part of that, uh, and we want time to exclusivity. So what we're learning here is a lot of these moves apparently get pitched to all of the, the publishers, and Microsoft just has a weird track record of saying no, which leads us to the big one, and that is that Xbox quote, turned Marvel down, leading to Spider-Man's exclusivity on PS4. Bro, can y'all imagine Spider-Man on Xbox?
2: No, because we would develop it. Turn 10.
0: Well, at the time, in 2014 back up. At the time in 2014 when this was being pitched to them, guess what game had just released from a publisher that they worked with who went on to make the actual Spider-Man game we got? Halo 2. (gasps) Insomniac. Um, No, but uh, Sunset Overdrive had just come out and Sunset Overdrive was one of the reasons that that they looked at Spider-Man being a good fit for Insomniac and at the time Xbox had literally just worked with Insomniac Insomniac was not owned by Sony until after Spider-Man's release so it could have happened by means of Insomniac Uh, and if that had happened I don't know that Sony would have bought Insomniac
1: what kind of weird in a very odd
0: alternate history yeah honestly in that timeline Insomniac might have been bought by Microsoft (laughs)
2: <laughs> Could you imagine?
0: It would be a
1: wild time. You know what? At least Microsoft would have cool Spider-Man consoles and
0: controllers. I mean, yes, hey, that's, that's, what's that's true. It is. So there's a little <laughs> bit more to this. And essentially what this came from is that the vice president, or sorry, the executive vice president and the head of the covered games, in webs. Jay Ong, <laughs> explains how the company cut its earlier deal with Activision short in search of a better partnership. So that's the other interesting <laughs> tidbit that came out of this. As a means of trying to really try and flex themselves in the uh, gaming space and really go big and do AAA games, uh, they had broken their partner, their, uh, their deal with Activision to early terminate uh, seemingly... The Spider-Man thing. We also know that Activision was behind the Wolverine licensed game. Uh, Sega was behind the licensed version of Captain America that we were talking about last week and that Chris got in. Mm -hmm. Um, So that means that there clearly wasn't a single home for these games, but Activision was also behind um, the Deadpool game. So I'm not exactly sure how they were split up, but According this is a quote directly from the article at Video Game Chronicles. It says, according to Ong, Marvel games, wasn't happy with the quality of the Spider-Man games being published by Activision. And the two companies mutually agreed to terminate their licensing deal early. Um, and one of the interesting quotes here is that apparently one of the Activision people said after the deal was made, what are you going to do with this IP after you get it back? And on replied with, quote, I'm going to find a better home for it, to which Activision said, good luck finding your unicorn. Wow. What a cocky statement for a game that came out and absolutely slaughtered. Spider-Man is a huge, huge game and people love it. And, you know, one of the things that was being talked about in this is that um, Jay Ong was wanting it to be. He was looking at Arkham as like this podium example of what superhero games could be and how marvel had never hit that uh and that's what they were wanting to do and you know while i don't necessarily agree with it there's a lot of people that say that spider-man's right beside the arkham series uh in terms of quality and while i think it's very close and spider-man 2 might just get us there i still think arkham asylum and arkham city are better games having played them int- recently i still hold that that's uh fairly true but that's still an absolutely bizarre statement for a game that sold 25 million, right? <laughs> I know that Spider-Man 1 was like a ridiculous number. Uh, they hit them with the Jurassic Park line in here, I think. Uh, one of the articles I was reading, which was uh, Activision was so preoccupied with how well Spider-Man games were selling that they never thought to think about how well a Spider-Man game could sell. If done
1: right, as we can wrong. see, it's at least, at least two of them.
0: You know the irony here, though? is because of this very long-term licensing deal with Marvel and Sony in order to pull this off. The weird irony is that the better Spider-Man games are far more accessible and cheap and easy to get and all of the all the Activision Spider-Man games because they eventually had to be blacklisted because they lost license are stupid stupid money. Chris was talking the other day about Amazing Spider-Man 2 and how that game is like over $100 if you want to buy it right now. I think it it might be north of $200 because you can't get it anymore. So the weird irony is that games that may be fun... I I enjoyed Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 and Shattered Dimensions and Edge of Time. But those games are hundreds of dollars and very hard to pull off when the objectively better Spider-Man games that have come out here... Uh, I'm gonna say objectively, but um, are cheap and easy to get. It's so cheap and easy to get, mind you, that they're part of the new PS Plus Premium and Extra <laughs> Edition. So I looked it up: <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow,
2: or, Edge of Tomorrow, uh, eighty dollars. Shattered Dimensions, eighty dollars. Oh. The Amazing Spider-Man, thirty dollars. And The Amazing Spider-Man Two, thirty-six dollars.
0: Oh, they've actually dropped considerably.
2: Yeah. Well, I saw GameStop Considerably. had a bunch of them for twenty, so they might have had some stock that they started selling that brought the prices down. It's like the ET game; they found the crater of Spider-Man games.
0: <laughs> uh, dude, I'm going to tell you, Amazing Spider-Man Two is actually a solid game. Did that a, game. If you can get it, you you should. Did that game
1: have I'm a sure. part it. with like a boss fight in a in like a <clears throat> chain link fence inside with like a woman screaming? Does that? It's very vague. I I don't think I remember that. I I
0: played Amazing Spider-Man 2, and I don't think I remember that. If
1: so, I I remember Um, watching Gavin play it. I I don't remember that Amazing Spider-Man
0: 1 either. Now, Amazing Spider-Man 1 was really good. Actually, I think it's better than 2, but 2 did some cool stuff that uh, eventually came to be seen here, but it it was like, what if we make Spider-Man's movement realistic and have it to where L2 and R2 are to serve for the left and right hand, and so if you are if you do L2 you'll shoot a web from your left hand and also now it's got to connect to something it can't just connect to the sky and swing on a string of nothing instead you have to have a building or a car or a light post or something around in order to get to it um and that while that's not exactly what we got in the Marvel Spider-Man they still did stick to a single button they did make it to where when you're swinging you have to have something to swing on because i don't know if you guys remember Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3 you could just continue to swing, jump, swing, jump and you could get into the sky with no buildings around and you're still just shooting webs and latching onto nothing and climbing into the sky, which is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but that's uh that was gaming in two, in the PS2 days. So maybe maybe Chris, maybe you're right. PS2 is still pretty rough.
2: <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Look.
0: Just because a game doesn't isn't realistic doesn't mean it's bad. But in that case, that's just a weird move. You know, another while we're on the topic of licensed games, did any of you guys play the Hulk game that was on PS2 and uh, GameCube? I did. It was great. Seth had it on GameCube. awesome. Dude, I played that game at Game Exchange here in town uh, way back in the day on, on a little demo unit they had set up, and I never got to buy it and play it, but that game was incredibly fun. Just jumping around the city and destroying things and throwing cars at people. As an impressive game. If it was 2006 a 2006
1: or a whenever it If it a movie tie in now. video game based on a superhero, we had it or played it. Including Batman Begins, which was oh, fantastic.
0: Look at you guys. Mm. A lot of time die. Saul's going to Breckenridge. All this <laughs> money. We rented him, dummy. <laughs> Look, oh, you could afford to rent? Sure could. So Privilege, Saul. So, so sucks privileged. to be you. <laughs> <laughs> did you have your blockbuster card? I sure did. I
1: still have it somewhere.
0: You know, I, I remember we did rent Kingdom Hearts one from Blockbuster. Uh my dad had a Blockbuster card. We didn't get to use it all the time. You know what else we rented? The this was far before PS2 even. We rented the Beavis and Butthead game um Nintendo uh, Sega game? Genesis game. Wait. The no, Sega Genesis game. It's probably the same game though. I think it is because they you, did the same you thing. You could with... walk around the school you could walk around the school, and you could. You, there was a level where you had to pull the TV from the teacher's classroom and like on the cart and roll it down, and then it would. I think if I remember right, it fell down the stairs and broke. Ridiculous game, but I remember it just just a little bit.
1: Just a little bit. I'm pretty sure I had that same game, but I rented it. At Be- I rented it at uh, Blockbuster, but for Nintendo 64. Well, okay, this is a Do America video game. I don't remember it being the Do America video game.
0: I don't remember if the one I did was Do America either, though that movie is amazing.
1: It is. You'll need to go watch Beavis of the Butthead.
0: And then watch if you're if, if you've not watched it.
1: Get into Mike Judge mood and then just go ahead and go watch King of the Hill after that.
0: Damn right. All right. Let's see, boys. I think that that pretty much closes us off. Uh, To where we were, the only I didn't really mention here, and I think it's probably where we'll continue to take this episode until we get to Rude Day's community state question, uh, is kind of this idea behind Microsoft and PlayStation's different mindsets back in 2014 and how those have continued to either get closer or further diverge. And that comes from Microsoft at the time according to the executive said that they were go- they wanted to focus on their own IP and as such, they decided to pass on the offer. Now that seems really interesting when we think about where Xbox went throughout the PS the Xbox one generation, and then how they've can called themselves back up to a degree. Um, uh, as we are, you know, in our early aughts of the, um, early days of the series console, uh, but it's kind of interesting to look back there because, you know, some of the names that were thrown around were people from Sony who were not there. Names that you don't really see thrown around very often very anymore. Uh, he talks about the third-party relations people. And I don't know if you guys remember him from the E3 days, but Adam Boyce. He was the one in the uh, little used game commercial with Shuhei where it was like, how to how to let your friends borrow games. Hey, can I borrow that? Sure. So that dude and John Drake were the two that kind of uh, courted this deal out and made it happen and showed Marvel that they were interested and ultimately led to this Spider-Man thing. So, Adam Boyce, not that you're listening, because uh, I know that now you're at uh, Iron Games or whatever the studio at. Iron Galaxy. Uh, like Iron Galaxy, thank you. Uh, but hey, if you, ever, uh, if you ever want to, I'd be down to talk to you. Actually, that'd be kind of cool. Maybe we should reach out to him and be like, hey, would you do an interview on the podcast? <laughs> do it. That would be sick. He seems like an interesting guy who knows a lot about very interesting third-party deals. Um, but you know, that was a different time in Sony's life. That was when Shuhei and and all the presidents were on Twitter and talking with fans all the time. And then like as the PS4 generation went on, suddenly that stopped. And it was like all these people who were constantly active on Twitter and engaging with fans were suddenly quiet. Uh, and that leads us to where we are right now. So we see that Microsoft's buying a bunch of things. Clearly, they're not working with their own IP. I mean, they are, but they're just buying other people's IP to therefore become their own IP. But even then, Bethesda announced after the purchase, if I'm not mistaken, from Microsoft that they're doing an Indiana Jones game. Now, whether that was already brokered out and just not announced yet by Bethesda before the purchase, and they're just letting it go through as it was a a deal that was made, or if that was Microsoft being willful and complicit and saying, yeah, you can do it. I think it shows a big change in Microsoft and Sony now. And I almost wonder, and I'm kind of curious as to what you guys' thoughts are, with the way Sony's been lately, which is decidedly different than early PS4, late PS3, Sony. Do you guys think that we would get a similar situation as this Spider-Man thing from Sony and this, you know, right now say that this was just now happening. Marvel was just now taking this license back from Activision and saying, Hey, we want to make high quality games and going to people. Do you still think that this would have happened this way? Or do you think that if Microsoft got dibs first right now, that they would say yes and go forward with it? Do you think Sony would even be interested if it came to them Uh, I think Sony would be interested, but I think Microsoft would say yes. And then
2: if you're getting in a bidding war, Microsoft wins. Like That's (laughs) that's
0: all there is to it, really. (laughs) That's true. I think the the thing that's in this, though, right, is that if they did go to them, I think the biggest thing that they would be able to have outside of a bidding war is that mm-hmm. Sony could really leverage that? Hey, what do you want to do, right? You want to make a Spider Man game. What is Spider Man about? Spider Man's about the character and all the things you can do. It's not about multiplayer. This is so, guess which of the studio, or guess which one of us as a publisher has teams and studios that are known for their absolutely excellent single player games. And I think sure. Sony might be able to be like, if you want to reach your Arkham heights from this Marvel. Uh, you know from your marvel ip you need to give it to us that might be their their saving grace if they were doing it now uh Saul, what are your thoughts do you think sony would be interested in it right now uh, if, if this would just now coming up or do you think it would pass or do you think so do you think microsoft would have gotten a little bit more in on this
1: uh i think microsoft would have wanted to get more in on it but yeah i think i think sony would have done it.
0: so you know what's weird chris yeah <laughs> I, I agree with you that Sony... I don't... In my mind, specifically the Spider-Man, I don't see a time when Sony would say no. Yeah. And that's strictly because Sony is vastly aware of how much money Spider-Man can make you because they've had exclusive movie rights for 20 years and they've seen how much money even, <laughs> not, go- even not great Spider-Man projects can bring in. So yeah. if you know on the gaming side that you're giving it to a studio that you trust... At some point, you've got to know that this is the money printing machine. Now, Sony apparently fronted a lot of the money on deciding to be very big marketing-wise and flip the bill on that so that they could get this game to be big. But clearly, Sony's marketing budget was well spent because the game sold 25-plus million copies. Uh, And at some point, Sony were probably sitting in the back of a room going like, no fucking duds, Spider-Man. We already knew this.
2: Well, I think it's interesting because it's pretty forward thinking right because this is i guess it's not really all that forward thinking because this is right this is all happening right after of avengers had already come out right that was 2011 i think yeah that sounds right maybe so yeah sony's looking at this and they're like yeah this stuff's going to be huge these movies are massive you know and it kind of blows me away that microsoft and Phil Spencer weren't like jumping Well, it was Phil Spencer Actually, it was Phil Spencer started in March in 2014. Phil Spencer started March 2014. This happened in August. Oh man! Oh, Phil, what did you so, do? The savior of
0: Xbox, <laughs> let uh, Spider-Man go to Sony. Oh man! You know the the people who are hitting Twitter are like, why is Xbox? Why is my, uh, Spider-Man not on Xbox? Well, guess why. Yeah. Guess why?
2: <laughs> well, it's also that's also such a stupid. I hate that. Oh, argument. Oh my God! I didn't even think they, about that.
0: That's so Spider Man's not exclusive to the Avengers game because of Sony and the movie rights. It's because Sony has the exclusive gaming rights to Spider Man. Yeah. That probably. that just struck me. Well because of then, how this has um, actually come out. Ultimate Alliance. Again, it's 3. It, That's a good point. And that's I, we don't know when and,
2: that started development. That could have been a fucking a five year game for all we know. Maybe but I yeah. don't think so, but I'm just saying it I could don't think have so started either. before then.
0: But now, yeah, now I'm even more curious as to how that happened. Was it that Sony had already made all the money from Spider-Man? They were like, we sold 20 million of Spider-Man, bro. Give us exclusive Avengers
2: Spider-Man. They they told us why already. It was because um, Sony allowed Square Enix to use, or Crystal Dynamics, I guess, to use tech from Spider-Man PS4 in Avengers to help them get it working. That's why it's uh, exclusive. It's oh, like
0: move set tech, or because you know, just uh, Insomniac the has stuff, I don't know, strictly okay. That that'd be interesting because I'll tell you, Insomniac have really crazy uh, um temporal anti aliasing, and that's why like you know me and you were talking. I'm not going to say that like, the favor resolution version version of um Spider Man doesn't look better because it does, but. Both the 60 frames per second and 60 frames per second ray tracing modes for spider-man look phenomenal despite not being in 4k okay. and the same is true of Ratchet whenever I played ratchet and in, in the the uh, performance ray tracing it looked and felt amazing because they have they their temporal anti-aliasing, makes a 4k looking image without having to be 4k and very few studios have that to that level because there's still modern games where you can see when they're not 4k like you see it and you're like god that sucks yeah. <laughs> True. so that's interesting all right boys well Saul, do you have anything else you want to add into this discussion
1: um give me a magneto game sony
0: yeah, what's your so? We're having this. Saul, pitch me, pitch me your Magneto game real quick. It doesn't have to be like big, but like in your head when you're thinking this through, what's like what's your Magneto mechanics that's that's going through your mind?
1: Okay, dual sense support. Got to have that. The heavier the objects, the harder it is to pull the trigger. Um, to lift that object, Chris, you're muted. I realized. Um, <laughs> and we also need all the vibrations. That's a great too. idea. Um have it in a early magneto phase uh, 17 18 years old that'd be pretty cool especially that time era of um, what would it be after it'd be like in like 19 like 1955 maybe'd be set there so it'd be have like a cool art style to it
0: Um. Well, he's not. Um, ooh. The problem with Magneto is that they've changed. They've changed his origins as the years have Probably? kept moving on. So, yeah, originally he apparently wasn't tied to the Holocaust or anything, and that happened as time kept going. They were like, "Well, at this age, if we were putting him here." That would have put him at roughly this age during the Holocaust, and we can use that towards our advantage to write interesting stories around him. But are you sure? Uh, it's I thought, that's I a thought the same character for him. I thought that was the same, and and I, I will always welcome the fact that I could be wrong. But I remember I looked it in. I looked into it one day because someone else had told me the similar thing, and I was like, no way. Uh, but here, I'm, I'm going to tell you it was uh, Magneto. Always, I read,
1: I read Magneto comics before with that as his origin. Which?
0: Oh no! Again, he's—that's been an origin for years, but that—that wasn't his original origin. They've changed that as times went up, and they knew they could change the time. But I do want to double check that. So let me see real quick.
1: Um.
2: Yeah, I think, I think, I think he's always had those origins, but what would the story of your thing be? Uh, he's escaping. Uh, <laughs>
0: no, 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 no. Dude, that would actually be kind of sick it, in the most interesting way possible. It would be, but yeah. I feel
1: like that'd be one of those games like, um, hatred. it just gets into like development hell because of the nature of the story or the nature of the game. Wait, it's not hatred that I'm thinking of. What is it that I'm thinking of?
0: Okay. Ho- hold on. Hold Six on. Six Days illusion, uh man? Yes. It was called, it was called hatred. No, no, oh, no, no. Hatred is a game oh, that the ha- exists. So. Yeah, Hatred is yeah. a game that exists, hatred but, came I'm out, thinking of. but it, yeah, right. But you're right. Six Days of Fallujah is the one that had a lot of uh, controversies. Which It's had a lot of controversy, yeah. But um,
1: um, yeah, like I feel like it could start make me there think and of, then progress. It could probably end at like a cool part, like um, maybe him meeting Professor, setting up an X-Men universe in, inside games like they have done Spider-Man, which they're already doing Wolverine, I uh, think about it. But Magneto is yeah. Magneto's always been one of my he's like my top five favorite superheroes of all time.
2: Magneto's the best. He's really cool.
1: He's a really tragic character too. Yeah.
2: I'm trying to think, but I think what I want is a X-Men tactics. Oh yes. That's what I want. Midnight Suns.
1: Um, speaking of, oh, which, I can't wait for Midnight Suns. Did that get a game get delayed? I feel like that was supposed to come out this
2: month.
0: It did. It it yeah. did get delayed. Um, October, I don't know. It if was it's... rated
2: recently, so it's probably coming out soon. Yeah.
0: So here's the answer, guys. <laughs> in Uncanny X Men number 150, a new writer, Chris Claremont, drastically changed the already powerful Magneto's backstory, cementing the character as a fan favorite. As a Jew and a survivor of the Holocaust, readers suddenly saw Max Eisenhardt's actions in a whole new light. A man who would live through the worst that humanity has to offer. So that it's true that it wasn't always that way, and that's not how Stan Lee originally wrote him. Uh, but it did happen. And, un- and Uncanny X Men, such an old series, that
1: that's probably just been what's labeled as his actual origin now, like canonically.
2: Well, he, if he's been a, a Jewish Holocaust survivor for longer than he hasn't, I feel like his origin is a Jewish Holocaust survivor. That, yeah, yeah that, even if that's on the not first day wrong. he wasn't, you know. Right. I agree.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, but either way, it was just an interesting thing, and uh, because some people were saying like, "How much longer can he still be relevant to be a, a Holocaust survivor?" Because of the fact that it continues to mean that if you want to make a modern day Magneto, he's going to be old, just like uh, Sir uh, Ian McKellen. McKellen, McKellen. Um, and uh, in, in the regard of he was old in, in his respect. respective movie. So, if you think of that it's a good question of like people were saying like, how, what do you do to give a similarly weighted backstory to Magneto without necessarily taking away from the heft, but not having to make him old. So people were like, is there, is there an event that we could move up and tie him to? That's, that's something that's kind of universal knowledge. That's more modern. And <sighs> yeah. it's a I, know, I know the answer, but
2: I'm not saying that <laughs> I'm the not ever. either but after the show. I know the
0: answer <laughs> to that question. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's a really interesting conversation. Man. Oh, no. Uh, I just I,
1: thought of something I,
0: else. I, I, don't think, I don't think most people want to have it because it sounds weird, but do you really want to get into a conversation where you're trying to compare other things to the Holocaust? <laughs> it's a weird conversation. So I'm going to leave it at that too because <laughs> in the age of this internet, it's uh, – it's not something that I want to have to, to face with just because you say anything. Uh, it's a topic that seems, I, I like it seems ideal to have. I like I it, it's think it oh, Chris. It's a good idea. Oh, It's in Discord. It no? I posted mine too. Uh, oh, now, now I need to see it. Oh, no. But yeah, I think it's one of those conversations that needs to be had with friends in person and not... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, we have a community stake, or sorry, Saul, mechanics of your game. Let's go back <laughs> no, to no, that. No, let's move no, no move on. Mechanics done. of your game. I'm done. What, what are You done? Is, uh, we're
1: hours. What's two, yours, Brad? Two hours. Yeah, let's let's move on to yours, Brad. <laughs>
0: uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So the the community stake question that came from Rude ninety three. He says, since many seem upset with both Sony. Uh, over the stacking situation on ps plus and xbox he mentions game delays, uh game delays and game pass in general with many saying that they are done with these companies he put quote haha sure i'm curious <laughs> is there a line in the sand for you that if any of these companies cross you would be done with or at least be considering playing in a new ecosystem strongly um And he says, not sure if that makes sense, kind of saw it after all the people saying I'm done with where uh, with wherever they are playing. Like, no, you aren't. And I get what he's saying. So right now there's a lot of people on the line online. that are screaming into the void over these issues and saying that they're they are the line in the sand that these companies have crossed to make it to where they no longer want to support them. So do we personally have a line that we would draw in the sand that we are aware of right now that would make us? either completely ditch or strongly, genuinely consider leaving behind PlayStation we had a, as one of our main ecosystems or Switch, about this. even if... Not too long
1: ago. Like, like, I say that, like maybe two years ago. And my answer is still pretty much the same. It is... um, It is if Sony was to revert back to an attitude that they had within the PS3 era... um. In terms of re- beginning of the PS3 era, yeah, like like almost like a snarkiness about them that they would brush off problems and then then like they wouldn't address solutions, kind of like what we see now, like with the PS Now, like that's a that's a pretty reactionary thing that they're doing, in my opinion, right in response to like Games Pass. If Sony was just to say, oh, yeah, that's, we're going to let them do them and, and ignore them, that's okay. But then they do it with, that, with, with other quote-unquote problems uh, until they don't offer any services that would be worth having. Uh, or uh, we take steps back. Um, so it's kind of hard to think of an example, but I'm sure there are some. Like,
0: I don't know. Um, crossplay, something like that. Because you know crossplay was a big Maybe yeah, extend crossplay. It's kind of it seemed like a flash in the pan now, but that was a big moment for Sony whenever uh they refused to basically make a, any kind of remark on crossplay. But the problem that goes back to Chris uh, Chris's corporations are going to corporate. Yeah. At the end of the day, even back then, I said that while I may not have agreed with it, I understand why Sony would be apprehensive about opening up cross-play because it takes away from the exact loop I was just talking about. It desensitizes people from buying their console and therefore playing into the way that they primarily make money. So that's why this Sony going multi-platform is weird when 2018, to be fair, that's four years ago, uh, but in 2018, they weren't playing game like they weren't playing ball like that you know right. it was hey we won't we won't be cross play because it impacts our bottom dollar and then when they did accept cross play it came with as that uh, apple versus epic case showed it came with stipulation that you would have to pay them lost wages from uh, microtransactions that weren't bought on their system despite the fact that the game was on their system and the majority of the player base made up their system That's a real crazy thing, but you can understand how a business whose main concern is how we're going to continue to make money so we can continue to be a business operates. And and now it seems so trivial, but the reality is if I was a betting man, I'd say Sony probably still has something in place to where if you have cross play for a game on theirs, on their systems right now, you have to pay some kind of percentage back to them. I would bet. Uh, And we just, we only know of that one instance because of, the the lawsuit, um, so I I'm trying to think of other ones. I mean, do you think what well, what's really a lie? What's, what what's a step backward? I think some people would argue that pushing for paid online was a step backward to begin with, with PS Plus becoming required for online. And yet, clearly, nobody really saw that, even though people still argue all day long that PC is completely free to play online because it is. It is, <laughs> um,
1: but I think that since Microsoft was not too far behind them with that it didn't become a big thing right like yes yeah, plus i mean uh, and, then, or, and now Xbox nintendo gold. and now nintendo but like um so anything involving accessibility or anything that makes playing a game a kick in the balls to have to do um so like it, just it's hard to think about until something happens right but imagine like you had a game update your controller once a week That 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 would get annoying. Not obviously, not like not you know, ending for my love for the console. But it would be it could add up if you keep doing stuff like that.
2: Um, It's just quality of life stuff for you.
1: Yeah. So like if you end up making it harder to do stuff. For example, Spider Man. Spider Man was the last kick in the pan for me when it came for digital games. Bringing home Spider Man at midnight and still having to download part of the game and then copy the patch over. And I still didn't get to start until like 11 p.m. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, dude. I'm like, I, for, for people that don't know, our um, midnight launch is like 10 o'clock most times at GameStop. Um, but yeah, it's still like, what's the point? You know, I don't trade, I didn't trade in games at that point anymore. So I didn't, might as well just made it easier. So it's stuff like that. If you inconvenience me so much um, that it's just not fun to do. Which I don't think any video game console or company has ever done. Xbox tried to in 2013, because back then I did trade my games and let friends borrow games a lot. And you're going to tell me all of a sudden the game that I own, I can't try. I, I physically am holding in my hand, can't go into my friend's console. No.
0: Yeah, that's you know a lot of the stuff you could. And one of the things I wanted to ask you in regards to that is. Because we're on this conversation of what would be your line in the sand moment, do you feel like that line in the sand is that it gets pushed further than you might have because of the fact that you've bought digital so heavily that the majority of your investment is tied to that account? Uh, and therefore, if you were to draw a line in the sand and completely leave them behind, you'd be leaving behind most of your games. Does that make it harder for you at all? Or do you still think that if these moments came, you'd be okay with just being like, that's, that's money I'll never get back, but I just have reached that line. Because, I, I mean, I, I think I would lie to say that the digital games that I've started purchasing now that Chris and I game share, it would be very hard to walk away Thanks. from the fact that... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it'd be very hard to walk away from all the digital games that Chris and I have both bought. And Chris has bought significantly more than me, even. So I, I do think that I would be lying to say that it would be hard for me to walk entirely away from sony because of the fact that at this point it's not that i'm indebted to them but i'm i'm indebted to the ecosystem to a point where it would be really hard for me i would consider most things trivial in in comparison to the hundreds of dollars i've spent on product that i could only access via their ecosystem do you get what i mean yeah so yeah, well it- Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris.
2: It it goes back. Uh, that kind of goes back to the argument I always made that Xbox lost this generation when they introduced backwards compatibility and made it something that everyone had to do. Because in a more digital future, there was no situation where I was going to leave the like 700 games I've purchased. There's it's never going to happen. You know, and um, I think that's a lot, a lot of people did that. And I think that was one of the advantages of starting over for these companies, you know? Oh, you I get like, what you're
0: saying. Yeah. B- because by carrying everything over when that had right. been dropped by, what's funny is that they got dropped by consumers. Consumers mm-hmm. are the reason that backwards compatibility kind of took a back seat because PlayStation 3 launched with full backwards compatibility, but no yeah. one wanted to pay the cost that that came with that. And yep. so... They said, well, you don't want to pay that cost. We're not going to include that feature. And then that started a couple of generations of, hey, fine. We're not going to do that. But I get what you're saying. So your argument is that because there's not a restart point that happens Mm -hmm. now, every console used to be the, well, it doesn't really matter if I switch to Xbox because I'm having to buy all new games anyway for the PlayStation or for the Xbox One. And if if you're on Xbox 360, well, I'm going to have to buy all new games to go to the PlayStation 4 anyway. Exactly. So might as well do it on new ground. I get you. I mean, yeah, I can kind of see where you're coming from. Um, but yeah, I think those time things those things are hard. Saul, so you were going to say something about it. So what was, what was your thoughts on that?
1: I was just going to say that. So like, unless you're Nintendo and you have these, uh, for whatever reason, in my mind, Nintendo exclusives are different than like 360 and PS3 exclusives. And it could just be because it's a handheld in my eyes. That that's a different kind of exclusive for me. It's a, it's Hollow Knight is a Nintendo exclusive to me because I would rather play Hollow Knight sitting on my couch while watching a movie too, right? Like I get the luxury of having that. Um, sure. But for me, it's like with PlayStation and Xbox, I, it's very rare I buy a game that I don't play, especially now. So like games I have spent money on that I haven't played yet. Off the top of my head, Division Two and The Last of Us Two. I have I I spent money on those games and I haven't played them yet. And I know there's more. Well,
0: and technically Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy, uh, even though that origins. one's like
1: very, it was like fairly recent. recent. Um, yeah. I just haven't had time this weekend.
0: But well, okay, so just to just to clarify on that, right? I, I think. You know, I, much like me, I think you get hankerings occasionally to replay games. Like you talked about restarting Octopath, right? right. Um, so it, there's still, even if it's that you haven't, that you've played the games, right? You spent money, you've played them. Do, do you not consider the value of them being in your account ready to go should you ever? determine that you want to replay them or do you think it's easier to let go of games you've already at least experienced once and harder to let go of games that you've yet to experience it's that kind it's of actually so games from? i
1: have yet to experience it's a non-factor because at, at a certain point like now i already consider i wasted my money on those games
2: Be- <laughs> that's because
1: <fair>. i haven't <laughs> yeah. i haven't gotten any value out of them yet so currently up until i play those games it's a waste of money like literally, it's, okay. to me, it's a waste of money because I haven't gotten any, any single value out of them. Um, now, what's interesting about the replayability thing, too, is it depends. It depends on why I would leave an ecosystem. Is it out of anger or frustration? Because oftentimes with anger and frustration, you wouldn't care about the value that that has of, of being able to replay it if it's something that pushed you so hard to leave out, right? So, like, if someone vehemently hated Sony back when Xbox announced their DRM stuff, they they justified it in every single way they could to justify it for themselves. Well, if Sony came out and said, oh, well, now you can't play PS4 games on PS5. we We patched it. You can't do it. Oh, now, you know, you have to, you know... Uh, turn your console on every four hours to download a patch. And if you don't, you got to wait 10 hours to play it every time you turn on something crazy. You know, if it's something that literally is, is, is drastic enough to push me out of the ecosystem, then I won't care about having to buy those games again. If it keeps me away from said ecosystem and that goes for anything across the board. If, if, I didn't leave Android out of hatred or frustration of any kind. I li- I did it literally to go to to like, you know, I had some frustrations with them, but it wasn't like emotional damage kind of frustration where I would never go back to them uh, or that that I saw that I, I always saw that there's value in Android after that. Well, if there were apps that I bought on Android that I missed, which there wasn't, but this is just an example, I would buy them on iPhone just because that's where I'm currently at. And, um, the value of being able to make that choice is almost the same value to me that it is to have them there ready, which is a big part of exclusivity to me. It's like the, the yeah, value of having my PlayStation with, you know, The Last of Us 2 or, um, every single Souls game, including Bloodborne, that's a different kind of value than my Xbox, um, But that doesn't mean that if Sony was to really mess up, that I would, you know, I would. It it's weird because like I already I already have it. It's like I wouldn't sell it or whatever. I would just stop supporting PlayStation in my mind. So. I would keep it for all the old things.
0: That's actually that's a great point. You don't have to. You can you can stop content. You can get rid of PS Plus. You can yeah. keep the console and only play the games you've already bought and own and and download and install as you need fit without ever spending another dime right. on PlayStation. That's actually, that's a fair point. And I, and I, so you're not you don't necessarily have to leave the the entire ecosystem because you can you just have to stop supporting you're just, it. You're essentially. You're hitting pause on the ecosystem, as it were, and you're just, hey, everything I had up until this moment, I still have access to, and now my future spending is on this new ecosystem that I find a better fit for me, either from moral or technical reasons or whatever it be. Yeah,
1: and that's and that's kind of the Um, thing. It's it's almost impossible for me to to force me out due to emotions from a system like that. Yeah, namely just because. Um, like anybody does when they enjoy something and then a company makes a wrong decision, their first instinct on anybody's side typically is to defend it. Right? They're like, well, why would they do that? There has to be a good reason. It's almost like this weird form of, of, um, of, uh, oh, what is it? Not rejection, but it's, uh, come on, I'm trying to, I'm having a brain fart. Not rejection, but it's like, it's a coping mechanism. Not doubt. Um, it's when you are like rejecting reality.
0: I, I don't know the way you attack. No, well,
1: close. Yeah, that's that's getting there to me. Um, it's actually a, one of the stages of grief. What is it? Like it's oh denial. denial. Yeah, you're literally in denial of that being a, a bad decision for you as a consumer. You could justify and say, oh, well, that's a good company choice, but it's if affecting you negatively and you know it. It may like, it may be like, well, this kind of sucks. Well then you try to, you know, you're in denial about it sucking. So like you kinda want to justify it. Um and that only works to so deg- some degrees with me. Um where of course if Sony came out and said, Oh yeah, you can't play PS4 anymore, I'm gonna be like, well, that's really dumb and I'm gonna criticize them for it. But the first couple steps that were going to run through my mind of like, well, why? Is there something is this a benefit that will benefit me eventually? Like it's kind of this weird bargaining thing you play. So
0: yeah, you know, the, the other, the weird side of that, and you kind of got into it earlier with this idea of it depends on where you are and how privileged, I really hate that that's just, that word has so much weight to it now that it's not even what I'm trying to say, but the, the, the sense that, like Chris and I often talk about, like, it's not the end of the world for us that PS3 games are not natively play, natively playable on PS5, even though I would like that, because both Chris and I have PS3s and the means by which to get the games we want to play and play them exactly as we've been doing. Um, So, and I still have my PS4. So for me specifically, I don't, I think Chris, you sold your PS4, correct? Yes. So for Chris, it'd be a little different. But for me, if Sony came out and said, Hey, we're not going to let you play PS4 games on PS5 anymore. I would definitely be like, Oh, that's unfortunate. But I'd be like any PS4 game I wanted to play. I could still play on PS4. And honestly, the only things I've played on my PS5 lately have been PS5 bespoke versions of games. So it's one of those weird things where it wouldn't impact me enough for me to make that decision, but it could impact somebody enough to make that decision. And that's the, that's the weird back and forth you have for these types of, of issues. And that's why I think for me, it's, it's almost more about like Chris talked about earlier, even this PS now stuff or this PS plus stuff that's happening. PS now PS plus premium. I care in so much as I think it was a bad move for Sony, but it literally does not impact me one bit.
1: Yeah, I'm selfish in that regard in a weird way.
0: And so, am I really selfish though? Because I'm, am I really, am I selfish? I mean, I'm calling it out and calling it bad for what it is, but it wouldn't stop me from supporting Sony because. The way that I support Sony is still working, and they're not hitting me with anything because I chose to save money. And I completely understand the point, but it's not negatively impacting me. Therefore, I don't see the need to do anything about it. Well, I should say I'm I'm selfish as
1: a podcast host where people may want to validate their feelings through me. Because that's a total thing that could happen. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think it's fair. I don't know. I've been trying to think this entire time, and I think genuinely the only thing that would really make me stop, and again, just like you, I'd have all these Sony systems that I could still play. The only thing that would make me stop supporting them moving forward would really be DRM. Uh, Going back to kind of what you were talking about with the Xbox thing, if it was that if I owned a physical disc, I couldn't let you borrow it or anything like that, that would be the end of it for me because that's just – I already feel like and the only problem is is that no – no games manufacturer or anything has no digital rights, uh, digital media at all has this yet. But as I've long been a proponent for, I already feel like it's wrong that I can't, tr- I can't give you or let you borrow my digital copy of the last of us two, or my digital copy of, um, death loop. Um, and I really hope that that's something they find a way to do, But it's at least a little different in the fact that we bought into that with that agreement. And physical media has always been bought with the expectation that you're going to be able to play that and give that to whoever you want. Chris can leave me Wolverine for PS3 here so I can play it. I can send Chris a game for him to play. uh, And that works. But... I think that would be my real drawing line or if it, even the things like Microsoft was talking about to where you can't play offline at all and you have to check your console in once uh, once every 24 hours like the, or whatever it was that they were talking about. It's too much. And I, I think that at that point it starts to feel like what Chris is talking about where it's like it's, it's that line of being too far on the side of fucking the consumer because it's like, you're, you're you're hitting me with too much that negatively impacts me and positively benefits you when we should be trying to meet as close to the middle as we can like yes you're getting my money and that's money I could use for something else but in turn I'm getting an experience I can maybe only get in a handful of places or at least I can only get on this system I already own and that's the trade-off that we make constantly or I'm paying you money to let me play online but there's no other way for me to to do it, so I'm just okay with the fact that I'm gonna have to pay for the online, and those things are a little easier to um come to terms with
1: so you just because of I that. think you just enc- you just encountered for me what would be the the actual tipping point so you mentioned play online or play offline right like not the play offline mm-hmm. what if they made it so that you had to pay for p s plus or you couldn't pay play online anything anything at all
2: Play offline. play
1: offline, yeah, yeah that that would be that's, that's too far. That would be see, and that's the thing for me. I don't know what it is lately, but um, it could just have been getting the Kindle and then hacking it the way I do, um, or the way I did for all my manga. Um, so I like the fact that I have all of Naruto, uh, One Punch Man, Berserk. Uh, you know, Spy versus Spy. I like that I have all that downloaded. If the internet goes out or power goes out, I have an Android tablet. I can sit there and read. I can read. I I have thousands of hours of manga to read. Same for my Switch. I like the fact that if the power goes out, I have something to sit there and play Octopath Travel. I have, I have I have dozens of games downloaded on my Switch. Um. And I really like that level of like a mental preparedness of like tonight is supposed to storm real bad. Well, if it was down, you know, in this time era and not at midnight or later like it's supposed to be, and the power went out, I I I would have I have a first of all, I have a backup battery for my phone. Actually I have two of those. And you know, I feel prepared. Well, if something wants to happen with my internet, like it has been up until I got my router like situated. That it was just like being awful. It was like disconnecting daily. Uh, when when devices would go into rest mode, it would disconnect. Well, having a power on my PS four, Five, and then all of a sudden, I can't play games that I own because I'm offline because I didn't pay for a service. Now, this is the whole caveat: as if it made PS Plus, where you could only play games online with that service.
0: Well. I almost say take a step back because actually one of the big things I have a problem with Xbox-wise is that Xbox still has those systems set up, if I'm not mistaken. I definitely know it was up this uh, this way up until the Xbox One or up through the Xbox One X. And I think the Series S is the same way. You have to put your console into offline mode in order to play those things without having to connect to the internet for long periods of time. Steam Um, is like that too. And I've always found that to be crazy. Um, There's no reason that I should have to check in more than once a month, once every two weeks. There's no reason that I should have to say, oh, I didn't prepare for the power to go out and I didn't turn my console into offline mode. So now I can't play these games because I'm in offline mode. I'm in online mode instead of offline. And I think that that's a really ridiculous thing. So if Sony did the same thing and said, hey, uh, we won't let you play, which I'm. We're kind of in that, right? Chris and I game share. So the problem that we run into right now is that because each of our systems are each other's primary system, I'm Chris's primary; he's mine. Yeah. If the internet goes off, I can't play games that I bought. I have to only play the games that Chris bought. Huh.
1: That's what yeah, That's weird.
0: And vice versa. Yeah. So if Chris, so it's funny. Like Chris, let's so say you buy a game that I had no interest in, and your like, your internet goes out. Um, You can't play the game that you bought specifically for you, but you can play Ratchet and Clank if you had it installed <laughs> because I bought it. But that's that's us dealing with the repercussions of gaming a system. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at some point, they'll ever put I'm not going to be upset with Sony because of that. I huh? think they'll ever put it into that.
2: No. No, because it, it, the normal use is like your PS4 upstairs. We just happen to be. I just happened to have my PS uh, my account on a PS five six thousand miles away or whatever, you know. What I mean?
0: <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. I hope people. Well, the reason I say that is that they already had that opportunity, Chris uh, or saw so, I don't know if you remember this, but the PS three era was a wild time for account sharing because digital media was newer and those types of sales people didn't know expectations were way different. You could have five. PlayStation 3 is linked to your account and all of them could play your games. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's a lot. I do. I, whenever on, on PS3, I game shared with four other people. <laughs> and we all just bought stuff and downloaded each other's stuff and played on our accounts because that's how the PlayStation 3 was set up. And I remember when Vita came out, they had it to where your Vita is locked, memory card locked to your account. So you can't do that. Um, and they had it on PlayStation 4. You could only do two. That's when they changed it. Um, it was just very different. you know. I can remember Holt and I and our buddies. Uh, Holt bought Bomberman Ultra, and we all just logged into his account and downloaded Bomberman Ultra and all played Bomberman Ultra for the $5 or whatever that it cost. <laughs> and I can't blame Sony for... Being like, it's a little ridiculous that five people get to benefit from that, but we can take the hit that two people do because we're still getting the digital media sell, whereas... Whenever it would be like, oh, well, you know, he can send him a game or let him borrow a game, we'd be missing out on that sale anyway at that point for people who borrow and send physical discs. So if we leave it to two, people can still abuse it, but not much. But never say never because Netflix also said uh, uh, love is sharing a password. And now they're saying, (laughs) please don't share your password uh, and cracking down on it. I'm about to cancel Netflix soon. Who knows? Anything is possible. You're mm-hmm. gonna watch Stranger Things four first. first? I do, you I do not care about Stranger, Stranger Things.
1: things. <laughs> I didn't think you did. Oh, no, I watched the first like three seasons, but I couldn't tell you what happened at the. I, I can tell you what happened at the end of the third season because it's in the trailer of the first, the new season. Can tell you anything else? Couldn't tell you anything else. Obi Wan Kenobi comes out Friday. Stranger
0: Things then. one is fantastic. I remember it very well. Um, but I'm gonna, Better Call Saul, I gotta finish. But go ahead, Chris.
2: I'm gonna be the one with a hot take here. And there is probably not a single thing that a company could do that would make me choose to stop playing on that console. Hmm. I wouldn't call that a hot take because I don't see it.
0: I, I almost went that. A, I almost went that far, yeah. but really, DRM would be the thing. And and I wouldn't stop playing on the console. Right? I would just stop buying new right. games because be I, like, I got to deal with what recording. I have for the old ones.
2: See what I? Was and, well, let me back up.
0: Is, so so long as uh, so long as another company doesn't have that limitation, I will say that if PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo all decided unanimously at once to have it to where drm was the thing
1: yeah that's why i made it clear about games or Xbox i'm fucked
0: no matter where i go yeah right so it's like at that point i would stick with playstation but if xbox said hey we don't have drm but playstation suddenly did that's i would move to xbox just for convenience sake i don't have that much time to play games i don't want to to fight with drm every single time i do right that's what that's why i brought up uh, xbox live gold when you brought up ps plus earlier because
1: it's like if, if I guess, Xbox wasn't already doing it, it'd be a thing.
2: I guess the thing for me is and I know that I'm technically wrong, but I don't see my purchasing as supporting the company. I see it as paying for something I want. You know, you're you, th- actually, I would,
1: I actually would agree with you. That's kind of how I view purchasing.
2: Uh, yeah. Cause I mean, I know that, you know, if everyone thought this way, you know, nothing would ever happen for change. But like, I don't believe that my twenty bucks every time I purchase a new game or whatever going to the Saudi prince when I buy Metal Slug Tactics. I don't think that changes much for them. Mm-hmm. You know, would I like to live in a world where I I wanted to be more, you know, socially conscious and willing to put my money where my mouth is? Sure, but. Genshin Impact's really fun. Like 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 I don't know what to tell you. Like that's just the reality of it for me. Like I would rather I would rather be entertained in the hobby that I've chosen than be like, oh, I can't play this game that I really want to play because the Saudi Prince owns five percent of Nintendo
0: or you know what I'm trying yeah, to Chris, say. Like, it's, let let to me play devil's not, advocate for you real quick, because, you yeah. know, you and I both go pretty hard in on the CCP and China being overly involved in everything and how that gives us worries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just want to just want to be clear in, in saying this right now um, while we're on the topic of the Saudi prince as, a, as an example. Uh-huh. Um, so. And this is a little weird because I guess at that point it's a game by game basis versus Nintendo, right? But you say you'd rather be entertained. So if, if pretty much all gaming companies ended up becoming owned by some form of China subsidiary, uh, <coughs> what would be your response? That sucks. When's the next game coming out? Fair enough. I'm just I, yeah, I'm just curious if if you were consistent, we have- I figured you would be. In the, in the, it, considering the face that I set it up, but. Nonetheless, the I can understand like, which from.
2: I can say if that if there are I no think, other
0: options for the thing you love, what are you going to do?
2: Well, it's just I think I can sit here and say like a, uh, a evil authoritarian dictatorship like China coming into all of our hobbies is a negative thing. But I can also say that Genshin Impact is fun. Like I don't like that those two things can exist together. True. It, it, yeah, it's also right about point. the
1: freedom of choice of it, making the, the purchase or not.
2: Right. But the thing yeah. is like if 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 you were like um Call of Duty or this other game made by Tencent is just as good as Call of Duty, I'd pick Call of Duty. But at the same time, who who knows? You know what I mean? Like I I'm not someone who is going to be like, oh, this game, like, oh, I'm not going to support this game. Like, I'm just, you know, because I don't think, I don't know. I just, to me, the value of my dollar is in my entertainment. And if Tencent puts out a freaking banger, I'm going to play that banger. <laughs> you know, I've just gotten yeah, lucky I guess it does depend. they don't do that. Right. Yeah, that told you, I, I don't two, go ahead. Go ahead. If Last of Us Part Two was a 10 cent game, I would have still played it. If Tencent bought Sony tomorrow, I would still play my PlayStation Five, and I would still buy as many games as I do. You know, that's just mm-hmm. the reality. I can still, I can be against something without putting my money where my mouth is. Because if I wanted to do that, I couldn't shop at Amazon, I couldn't shop at Walmart. I'd have to throw away my iPhone. I'd have to throw away my PlayStation. I'd have to throw away my TV. You know, Colin says this a lot on his show, but you can't live a uh, Moralistic economic life—you just can't, and I don't try. I, I'll no, still. No, I agree with that. Rally against, uh, but i you, am not gonna. I'll tell you where
0: I kind of it. where I go is like it's, it's selfish for me, mm-hmm. and, and we were talking about that earlier. And I don't think that that has to be a bad thing. So a good example is like I'm not saying that I'm not gonna buy. A, I, I told you before that. I am pretty much personally choosing to boycott BioWare because the only game of theirs that I've genuinely liked enough to play through and beat was the game that everyone else universally hated. Oh, well, can't do much about that. Anthem is the game that it was. And I told you I was upset with the way that Anthem was handled. Now, whether that's actually BioWare's fault or EA's fault or a mix. It's hard to say, but right now I've landed on Bioware doesn't have anything coming out that I find that interesting. I'm not really that excited by a new Mass Effect. I'm not really that excited by a new Dragon Age because the last Dragon Age I didn't care for, the last Mass Effect I didn't care for. There's no proof for me that they could still make those great games, so I don't feel that hurt by not doing them. So I'm strictly doing it out of my own thing of like, I feel like for my own personal experience, they cheated me out of Anthem, a game I really enjoyed being what it could have deserved to have been, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I should say. Oh. And so for me, strictly, for me, not because of anyone else, but strictly because of me, I'm like, ah, I'm not going to buy Bioware games. That's not because I'm worried about something Bioware does that doesn't actually impact me at all. And I kind of agree with you on that. It's it, There's all sorts of political opinions and uh, moral opinions and societal opinions that people and entertainers and products and games and music hold. And guess what? if an artist that has a problematic take on something comes out with a song that slaps. If I listen to that song and I'm like, damn, that song is good. Guess what? That song is still good. Whether or not that person did something bad or not. And Mm -hmm. at some point I just like, if I choose not to support something, it's because of some dumb selfish reason I've made for myself. Because at the end of the day, it's me spending my money or my time to support something for me, not for someone else. And I don't really think it's wrong of me to say like, a comedian made a joke that I thought was funny. I laughed. If it made someone else feel bad, oh well. I don't yep. really care because I found the joke funny, and mm-hmm. he's still serving me good. And the, the the moments that I stop laughing, then I'll be like, I'm done with him because he's right. no longer serving my selfish interest. Well, exactly. It
2: it kind of goes back to the conversation we had around near Automata, where I didn't play that game because I didn't like the trophy thing, mm-hmm. and. But it, but it's like I said. If I was interested in Nier Automata, I would have still played it. I just didn't care enough to play it, and it allowed me to say, "Yeah, I'm not playing that because of the trophy thing." Yeah, of course. And I can tell you right now, you know, not to relitigate the conversation. We don't have to have it. My, le- I think that game had more value to me as me boycotting it than playing it. I didn't like it, so <laughs> you know that's the thing. But it's just the reality of the situation right is like there are a lot of things that I believe that for the right situation I would sacrifice right like if Selena yeah. Gomez was like I will I will have sex with you after this pro-choice rally I'm going <laughs> to the pro-choice <laughs> rally <laughs> 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 like, like, like i don't know what to tell you that's just who i am it's that larry david thing it's like i'm gonna sleep with the, the hot the hot nazi or whatever she was in that episode i don't remember. <laughs> oh <my> but
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this conversation had gone off the rails chris but i get your point nonetheless
2: <laughs> uh, yeah the, the point i'm trying to illustrate is that like for the vast majority of things I'm going to choose what I want to do. Todd Howard could murder my entire family. And yeah, I might not play Elder Scrolls Six, but I'm probably going to play
0: Fallout 5. (laughs) (laughs) Boys,
1: I'm about to call it. It's it's going on too long.
0: No, we got to go. All right, guys. So the community's take, I guess, here is going to be the same for you. Is there anything, any one thing, any line in the sand that you do not want a company to cross that would cause you to uh, consider abandoning that uh, system or going towards another one. So in this, we're going to keep it strictly towards gaming. So let's look at Sony and Xbox. Is there a lot in the sand for them? Nintendo can be thrown in as well. Um, that would cause you to leave them. Let us know next week. Of course, you can find us and be able to answer these questions over on our Discord, which is linked in the description. You can always enter into there. You can find us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD again. And of course, Facebook, the Facebook group is triangle squared, a PlayStation podcast asked to be entered in there and I will let you in. You will see me and Chris there. You will not see Saul there. No Facebook. Saul has no Facebook which is totally fair. Uh, But with that said, I'm going to let Saul go ahead and give our rigmarole down while I get ready to read off all the patron names. So Saul, go ahead, buddy. Sure.
1: For those that don't know, you could find us as Brett has mentioned in the discord. We keep that link down in the description below. If you're on YouTube and of course, in the podcast information page, speaking of podcast information page, you can find us on most podcast services where if you can't let us know, and we'll do what we can to get on it. And, You can find us, like Brett said, on Twitter at Triangle S Q R D, and, of course, our Facebook group. And a special place is patreon.com slash nartech where just for as a dollar a month, you can support us. And that dollar goes a long way. When we need stuff like a a camera tripod for Chris or uh, perhaps a new desk arm for me. Well, actually, I could just steal the one from the studio. But that helps us out with studio costs. That's entirely true. So... It actually really does help, and it really is handy for us to uh, to help this show keep uh keep going. So, as always, I like to thank everybody for coming to episode two sixty two, and I hope that everybody has a good week. Now that we're doing this, and 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 you hear from us directly the day before, and of course, I'm gonna let it Brett lead us off with the Star Wars esque credit roll of Patreon subscribers thank you all for supporting <laughs> us thank you all for listening to us and i hope you all have a great week
0: i uh, thank both of you guys for joining me for this episode as always big shout out to our patrons aztec king leechion 69 the lord corgi salvador garcia ham and egger bailey robertson rob warp mark schutz cypher primus jason clendenning kyle grimm rude days 93 joshua lago Kevin Bacon Bits, Luke Rabbit, Danny Villalobos, Jehudi M.D., Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Sanderud, Stephen Salazar, Shadowist, and my name is Dan. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week.